warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 372. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can erase it? Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture. Leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yay! Woo! Jake, Yo. all of our previous episodes, sir, have led up to this one. Oh, man. Finally, it's come to this. I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> there's no special thing about this episode, Jake, at all, but they've all led up to this moment, sir. It's powerful if you think about it like that. It is powerful when you think about it that way, Jake. It is. It does hold a little bit of power, doesn't it, sir? Oh, man. I've got goosebumps on my arms right now. I have goosebumps on <laughs> my scrote. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like that chicken skin. <laughs> on my balls. <clears throat> the old chicky skin. That's really powerful. That is, that, sir, that is powerful as fuck. <laughs> Welcome to the Power Hour with Jake and Brian. Mmm. <laughs> mmm. Mm. Mm. I want to make a road map of the veins on my balls, Jake. <laughs> 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 like Google Maps, huh? Like a Google Maps of the veins on my balls. <laughs> They're very overlooked. Very overlooked. <laughs> Who would use that map? I, dude, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I would hope to find someone to use that map, sir. Oh, yeah. I'm getting all sentimental. <laughs> I know. I wish I could Google, like upload it to like Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> Scrote town. Yeah, scrote town. Take a left. Oh, you're, you went too far. You're at the anus. 
<laughs> I mean, this is dumb. Um, <laughs> we're not alone. We're not alone. We, we're joined by Handy Greg. Welcome back, Handy Greg. Thank you. Good to be here. Is it? Is is that kind of like chicken skin scrotum? Is that like a genetic thing? Because I notice when I watch pornography that some guys have like really smooth scrotums and some guys have the chicken skin. I that- yeah 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 I. I, I don't know what that is, honestly. Maybe maybe the guys with the smooth scrote are rubbing cocoa butter on it. Maybe. Maybe a little bit of cocoa butter going on the balls there. You know, smooth that out. That's how you that's what the ladies do with the stretch marks. You during the pregnancy. They rub the cocoa butter. Maybe guys are rubbing the cocoa butter on their balls, Greg. That's um that if if that's true, then I'm gonna start doing that because I would much rather have nice smooth balls. I want to have nice smooth balls, sir. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're gonna be doing porn, you would think you would for sure use the cocoa butter and get the smooth balls. Jake, I, I, I don't even know if it's. I'm guessing that it's cocoa butter, sir. I don't. Mm, don't just whatever. Yeah. Whatever treatment you have to do to right. look good on film. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, if you have to shave your balls with the chicken skin, it's much harder. Oh, totally. Because you nick one of those little little bumps, and you're in a world of hurt. You're in a world of hurt. You're in a world of hurt, world of pain. And, uh, yeah, it's hard, man. It's hard shaving the balls. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to stretch it out. and Exactly. Then, yeah. And then I'm always missing something. I'm getting out, and then I'm like, oh, man, I did a, I did a bang-up job with the old ball shaving. And then I get out, and I'm like, you know, I look, and it's like, how the, how did those get away from me? <laughs> well, the, the few times I've shaved my balls, it's more of a challenge of like, how far back do you go? You know, because I'm not going to do a full Brazil wax. You know what I mean? But where's the point at which you stop? I know they need to, there needs to be like a like a like a dick stencil that you can. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then you can, you know, and and they, that way you can just shave around the old dick stencil. That way you can have a nice, perfect. Look perfect every time, just perfect, beautiful every time. Yeah. Like a little Hitler mustache right over the right over the elephant trunk. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I just get so fed up. I'm just like I'm shaving the whole fucking thing. It's all gone. It's all gone. Fuck it. Starting over. I look like a <laughs> look like a fucking toddler down there. How do you start over? Just wait three months. Yeah, just, just yeah, you just start over. <laughs> I'm always worried that if I if I shave my pubes. Because I, I, I've been told recently, and I never knew this, that at a certain age, your pubes never grow back. Did you guys Who know cares? that? Who cares? But then I could shave like a patch off my pubes, and then I'm pubeless for the rest of my life. That I don't sounds know if I'm ready amazing. To go there. Oh my, yeah, all the like you wouldn't have that headache anymore. I don't want to. I don't. I don't know if I'm ready to be totally shorn for the rest of my life, though. You know, like what oh, if man. what if what if big hairy pubes come back into style again, and I'm there like a little. I look like a five year old. Dude, you're, how you get, old? You get the implants. How old oh, are you now? Get, like pube implants? Who the fuck? Who, who, who other than Handy Jill is going to give a fuck about what your balls look like now? I trust me, Handy Jill doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about yeah. balls. This, I, I, I don't have this in my notes at all, Jake. This is all. <laughs> this is all off the cuff. I don't have like you know five minute ball talk in my notes here, Jake. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> I guess I believe it. <laughs> I didn't know how we got started talking about. Oh, you had goosebumps, and I had goosebumps on my balls. 
on your balls. You have chicken skin balls. <laughs> the we learned chicken today. Skin balls. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of chicken skin on the balls. It sucks. Not a fan of the old chicken skin on the balls. <laughs> I'm not. Can I tell you something? In all, I'm, I'm just being dead serious. Yeah, of course. When I was starting to go through puberty, I was like 11 and 12 years old. I was a hundred percent convinced that the, that my chicken skin balls was actually herpes. That I had herpes. <laughs> I, I lived for two years thinking I had herpes. How did you? And I had at that point. I'm like 12 and 13. Trust me, nothing yeah. remotely ever came close to happening that would lead me to have herpes. Yeah. But I was. It actually caused me great distress. I remember the 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 first time I ever had an opportunity to get that close to a girl. I was like, oh, I hope I don't give her my herpes. I was sure I had it. <laughs> So did you ever like go to the doctor and ask the doctor to look, and then the doctor? No, I was too embarrassed. Oh, I was too embarrassed. But Handy Grammy used to hang out with me, and my at that point in my life, you know, she's still in the room for my doctor's appointments. My my mother, Handy Grammy, and um, so I was. I don't want to be talking about having herpes with my mom in there, you know. Okay. Okay. What what am I going to get herpes from? My pillow that I'm humping, you know? It's like it's not it's not going to happen. I mean, how often do you clean your pillow? Exactly. It's a good point. <laughs> uh, when you're humping the pillow, was it a body pillow that you were just fucking jerking off with? No, it was definitely a normal pillow on my bed and I used to fold it into like a cylinder shape and then you know, go to town on the slot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had these very smooth sheets that helped you know it was it was in my mind it was a lot like the real thing until i experienced the real thing oh, man. You know? did you ever do it so fucking much that you got a scab on the end of your dick uh yeah i have oh yeah you better fucking believe 13 year old brian scabs all over the the tip of my dick i was like oh my you gotta slow down bro <laughs> there's from, yeah. mas- from masturbation from masturbating yes <laughs> yes so i had this um do you guys know that hand soap, that dial soap that's orange? Yes. And dial is some hardcore soap. I hate I, I'm allergic to dial. Okay. Well it is dial is gotta be the strongest soap there is. There's so, the old lava. Oh, I've never tried lava. Oh, lava's got the fucking like crushed up pieces of fucking concrete in it or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, gr- growing up right when I was at that age that I started making man chowder every ten minutes. My mom bought this dial soap in these orange dispensers, and they were in every major bathroom in the house. And I still remember the day I was like, that looks gooey enough that I can probably do something naughty with that, right? So I squirted a little (laughs) in my hand, and then I went to town, and it, you know, and it became a regular thing. And that shit dried my junk out so much that I had, like, dime-sized flakes of skin start to fall off been there dude been there been there i think i i I think that was like uh with my mom's vidal sassoon shampoo that shit fucked me up yeah shampoo and conditioner don't do not use conditioner no it'll mess you up yeah yeah i should have been using cocoa butter back then yeah it's funny 100 later in high school i was uh, you know know, what they call that jake you know what they call that they call it nutter butter (laughs) <laughs> I will never eat another nutter butter again. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Greg. Go ahead. Later, I gotta be. Can you guys hear me? Yes. All right, because right above me is where the kids are playing PlayStation Five. So when I got when I went to high school, I had a I had a lady friend, right? And uh, at by that point, my mom had gotten the squirt bottles of soap that smelled like strawberries, and it was really slippery. So. 
I convinced my girlfriend to let me give her like a full body massage, but with that soap, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I had no idea. Like, how old were you doing this? I'm 15. At this okay, time. all right. But I had no idea that like there's no amount of rubbing that makes that go away. You know, it's soap. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember like five minutes in, she's tolerating it, then 10 minutes in, and then 15 minutes in, like she's got soap in every, you know, I, I, I got bad feedback about that. Yeah, one star. One star review for I got Greg. a one star review. <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh my gosh. Hey, everybody. We're not, are we done talking about balls and, and, I think uh, we're done. and soap? <laughs> I like topics where Greg has to lower it so his kids don't hear him upstairs. <laughs> Usually we're recording a little later, so I, they're up in bed, but they're they're right above my head right now. <laughs> and actually, my 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 older son is getting the talk at school today. Uh, not today, recently he's gotten the. Talk. He came home from school and asked us how, like, if men make shampoo. He's that's the way he articulated it. If men make shampoo, he said, "I hear, I hear that men make this stuff like shampoo, and that's how babies are born." <laughs> I feel I feel like I'm learning something today. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Thank you for being on the episode with us, Greg. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank everybody that listened to our bonus episodes that I put out this week. I want to, uh, we had Stephen Kostansky, the director from Psycho Gorman on and, and, uh, Billy Blinks from the, uh, Scene Invaders podcast joined on that one. Had a lot of fun. So thanks to everybody that listened to that. I want to thank all the, all the Patreon patrons who joined for the WandaVision roundtable finale. And, uh, we just all talked WandaVision and it was a lot of fun. And it was one of those things where I was like, Jake, I'm not going to advertise this thing. Uh, until we fucking record it because I didn't want fucking people to just jump on and be patrons because we were getting together and having this discussion. I wanted to do it for the people that were there from the, like the beginning, dude. The one true patrons. The pay, the true patrons. Not you half ass fucking chicken skin patrons. <laughs> Johnny come lately patrons. Yeah, yeah. So now I want to thank all the patrons that joined and I want to thank all the uh, Patreon patrons that, uh, that contribute. So thank you so much. Um, what the fuck, man? What do I got here? Greg, what were your thoughts on WandaVision? I loved it. I was actually really surprised that the finale was so, div- well, I don't, was the finale divisive? Like, I see these articles online that say, oh, the divisive finale. I'm like, it, I mean, it it seemed like 95% of the people that I know really liked it. But that that's what I saw. Uh, I'm sure that there's going to be some people that didn't enjoy I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. You know, I gave the I give the whole season a Tupperware. Um, yeah. As far as the finale goes, it's a it's a high taste it for me. Um, but. Some of that has to do, honestly, with, like, some of the things that they might correct later on down the road. I feel like, you know, Agatha Harkness being the big bad at the end of the thing. Like, is that, is that, it, was that really all her character was? Is just, I, I'm just, pow- I just want power, you know? Yeah, I just want hopefully power. Not. Hopefully They've got to bring her back. She's such a great villain. Oh, yeah, I think they will. I think that she loved it. I think she loved doing it. You know, we'll talk about the, uh, the assembled, the, uh, WandaVision, the making of WandaVision later, but, um. Yeah, I just wanted to know your thoughts. I, this is something I put together after listening to, I was listening to Matt Shackman, the director. They, and what I think was great about WandaVision is the fact that they had one director. They didn't like one director for one episode or like, you know, one director for two episodes and then hand it off. They had one director. And I think like that's the, one of the smartest things that they did 
is just having mm-hmm. one director. And it sounded like it was super challenging for Matt Shackman when he was talking on uh, Fat Man Beyond with Kevin Smith. But I was, you know, I put this together. This <laughs> people, are, I think people are going to be like, okay, whatever. But for me, I thought that this was um, pretty cool. Um, he was a childhood actor. We've talked about that on the past on past episodes. He was actually in two episodes of Growing Pains as a kid. And actor Joanna uh, Joanna Kearns played Maggie Seaver, the mother on Growing Pains. And her maiden name on the show was Maggie Malone. And it was because when she went back to work, that was the name that she used when she was a reporter, Maggie Malone. So she went back to work as Maggie Malone. Matt Shackman in real life grows up and gets married to a woman named Maggie Malone. That's fucked up. Definitely on purpose. <laughs> on I, purpose. <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to be like, whoa, whoa. But I, for me, I was just like, holy shit. Holy shit. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. I loved the Ralph Boner reveal. Totally worked for me. I loved the ship of, to me, the ship of Theseus scene is a classic. I love that. Yeah. I love that we thought we were getting one thing and it was something totally different. It reminded me, you and I, Brian, long ago talked about a film called Dark Star. Yeah. Early, um, and, and in that movie, basically the main, main character defeats an AI by having this sort of metaphysical argument with it. And this reminded me so much of that, the sort of ship of Theseus argument. I, I loved it. I loved WandaVision. Loved it. I I loved it, but I hated the Ralph Boner. Uh, yes, the Ralph. Oh, Bar- really? Yeah, yeah. I get, I get it. I, I get it. I get it. I thought, but you know, it's funny. Um, I've seen some people compare that to the Iron Man three twist that they were sort of directly inspired from that. But I, I, I totally dug it. I, I love the whole thing. If it was a, if it was an MCU film, Wandavision, it's probably in my top five. That's oh, how much I loved it. Well, the character is catapulted in my rankings. Like she's yeah. top five now for me. You know, she's like right up there with Black Panther, right up there with, you know, Iron Man, Thanos. I mean, I fucking... I would agree with that. I would think maybe even top three for me, honestly. Yeah, she's in my top five. I, it's hard to knock down. It's hard to knock off, you know, Bozeman as Black Panther, Robert Downey Jr. and then Thanos. I mean, and Loki. It's but and she's she's right there after them. She's right there. She's like probably number five for me right now. I'll tell you what, when Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness comes out now, you're going to have a lot of little girls at that movie wearing Scarlet Witch t-shirts that would not have been there before yeah. the show came on. And that's an awesome thing. I mean, yeah, and they just came out with like the jewelry set, too, that comes with like the, the tiara that she wears. Yeah. Oh, cool. And there's going to be a lot of people like, you know, cosplaying and wearing like little girls wearing that tiara. She was fantastic in that. Is she a villain at the end of the day? <laughs> Think about it, man. It's kind of it, uh, there's got to be. I think going forward now, now that we've gone through like the five stages of grief, there's got to be like this. There's got to be kind of like this redemption arc for her, right? Where she's she's got to make things right or try to make things right. She's made some mistakes, and I mean, a lot of these mistakes. You know what happened um, with the people in the building uh, that, that died and, and, and what's happened here in, uh, WandaVision with the town. I mean, those, I mean, I, I understand that she was trying to, to deal with like, you know, death and loss and things like that. But my God, like these people were pawns 
in this, and every day was a nightmare. And even when they sleep, yeah, they wanted dead rather than live on. It, sure, it'd be it'd be interesting to see what some of her Avengers peers think about what happened and how they will respond to her in future movies. Oh, totally, totally. That's the one thing. And she's super overpowered. And 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 now that we know that she could be, you know, her destiny is to, you know, basically end the universe. I mean. I'm sure that that's going to fucking cause some problems within the Avengers. If Doctor Strange lays it out. Like, yeah, I'm familiar with this. I'm familiar with the Scarlet Witch. And this is scary. <laughs> this is scary. You know, so Yeah, I don't see her as a villain because she's aware that what she did was wrong. Like, you know, like, they obviously, you know, like the villain is always the hero of their own story. I know it's cliche to say that. Like Magneto thinks he's the good guy. He thinks mm-hmm. he, he thinks he is. By the end of this story, Wanda knows that she did a terrible thing. But here's the thing: we know that because we watch the show. But on the flip right. side, everyone else in this universe, how are they going to view her? Oh, she's an absolute. She's a, the, one of the most terrifying villains in the Marvel universe. Right? True. She just yeah. she just held a town with three thousand people hostage for weeks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which and makes her a fascinating she- character. Who's to say she's not willing to do more terrible things just to bring back her children? Yeah. And if 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 we find out that she is a mutant, is she the spark that lights all of the anti-mutant hate in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yeah, that possibly. That would make a lot of sense. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's – yeah, well – Mutants are going to happen. It's all going to happen. We just got to be patient. We got to be patient. I thought it was interesting when Matt Shackman was talking to Kevin Smith about, like, the aerospace engineer, and he was like, oh, fuck. Oh, man. People are reading way too much into this. This is nothing. This is nothing. And uh, I read an interview with him that I found really shocking where he said that he was surprised that people were putting, like, the X-Men factor into Evan Peters' appearance. And I was like, how could you not foresee that? Well, we're going to talk about it. That's definitely something we're going to, I got it. There was an interview that Jack Schaefer, she talked to someone, I can't remember, but she was like, you know, the writer and, you know, she talks, she addresses that. We're going to talk. I, that I'm going to save a lot of this for Marvel news, but I did want to get Greg's thoughts on WandaVision, but yeah, I think we'll be talking more WandaVision in the episode. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll curb that for now. Curb your enthusiasm, sir. <laughs> Coming back real soon. Is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, nice, nice. Anybody joining the cast? <clears throat> Not that I know of. Okay. You know who I think would be perfect on that show? Uh, who? Leslie Jones. Oh, I. Agree oh, she'd with be that. great on there. <laughs> she would. She'd be great. I'd love to see her and. <laughs> She would just, her and Larry would be hilarious together. Oh my God, I would love that. Yeah. Oh, uh, huge thanks again to Kyle Borowski for another donation, sir. You're fucking awesome. Thank you so much. You spoil us, sir. Thanks, Kyle. That, that was very awesome. All right. Let's jump into, uh, this week's iTunes review. Another, another lone week. Jake, a single, mm. a single iTunes review. We have a single iTunes review. It's like getting it's like getting Kit Kats, but only getting like one Kit Kat. <laughs> so it's like you're getting a kit, but no cat. That's some bullshit. That's some bullshit. You open that package, you got one we got one kit. There's no cat, there's no there's no 
can't following the kit, the, the original, the first kit. Is that, is my, my, is that, is my, gr- my girlfriend, Michelle, she eats Kit Kats like a monster. She just eats the whole thing whole. Like a, like I, a I, I do the same H- thing. How? Why? Why would you do that? That is fucked up. I can't even look, dude. It's, oh my God. Does she, does she eat Twizzlers, Jake? Yes. Does she do, does she eat Twizzlers the same way? She does. Like when it comes so, in like yeah. the five, like that are like stuck together. She's my spirit animal. Cause I go to the movies and I open up my, my Twizzlers and I eat it like a candy bar. I just take oh, big God. bites out of the whole thing. I, if I looked over at you, I would walk out of the theater. I would. Yeah. Be, yeah. You can eat my, you can eat my dick. That's how I like to eat. I like to eat them that way and watch my movie. <laughs> I would walk out I, and you would hear me make noises. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine me going to a movie with Brian. We're sitting next to each other. We've got one big soda with two straws, right? We're just having a little buddy time. And I eat my Twizzlers and you just walk out. Oh, I'm God. That's it. That's it. That's fucking, it's over, dude. Like, the romance is over, dude. Yeah. Oh, man. You're you're both monsters. That's yeah, disgusting. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucked up. You got to snap the Kit Kat in half and eat them. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, what's the fucking point? Just eat some other candy anything. bar if that's what you want to do. That is so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm yeah. trying to get some backup on this. I no, get treated like I'm the crazy one. I know we get the one fucking guy who eats it like a monster as well. Who has? <laughs> well, I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to judge me. You know? No, you you've got zero like fucking candy etiquette, dude. It's fucked up. <laughs> a candy etiquette. Yeah, what is bullshit about candy etiquette. Your candy, candy etiquette is well. bullshit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you should see what I do with a Charleston shoe. <laughs> oh man. Don't even don't even I love Charleston shoe. It's probably my favorite candy bar. I do like Charleston shoe. It's it's so tr- good. I, I hear though it's turning into like an old man's candy. Oh yes, it's, definitely. You, it's, it's, it's like definitely a like at this point. Yeah. It's definitely like Werther's. It's oh yeah, it's a it's a forgotten candy. They tried to come back in the eighties and that's when I got in on it, but now there's yeah. just, it's it's definitely old man candy. And it's the candy that's gonna like if when you're our age it's gonna it's gonna fucking tear out your fillings. Your fillings are gone with that <laughs> shit. <laughs> like uh what actually I did have a, t- a filling get torn out once by uh not a Oh shit! It's those caramel thing, Big Daddy and Little ba- Baby. Ba- uh, shit! Oh, I know what you're talking about. Sugar Daddy. Sugar Daddy. Yeah, I had yeah. a Sugar Daddy rip out a filling once. Oh man, fucking the caramel on those are, is so old and stale. No matter it when is. you get them, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they age those in a factory for like eight years before they distribute them. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the wrappers but it's always not. To but it it's too. caramel. You're, much, you're gonna you're eating paper. I do like me a good bit of honey though. I love bit of honey. Bit of honey. A bit of honey is. That's not even an old man. You have to be over a hundred years old to eat a bit of honey. <laughs> like old old men are like, what the fuck is this? Like nineteenth century candy. I love. Where do you find bit of honey now? Every now and again, you'll see them like in gas stations where they have those like bags that are just full of random candy, like the two for a dollar twenty nine yeah. bags. I love bit of honey. It's so good. Do you guys do you guys eat bit of honey and drink a glass of sarsaparilla and drink, you know, molasses cookies or something? (laughs) I've never had a sarsaparilla. I would though. It sounds good. (laughs) They'd always talk about it in the old Archie comics, and I was really wondering. That's right. That's right. Oh yeah. I just I I I take my Metamucil and then I (laughs) I eat my bit of honey. You rub some Vicks vapor rub on your chest. Yeah. (laughs) Have a nice bit of honey. Fucking. Oh my gosh. Okay. 
Uh, let's see, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, iTunes review. Here we go. It's one star five. We don't give a fuck because we really love to hear just how much we suck. Guys, Chris Dubach and your host is a jerk. I'm an opinionated asshole whose dick don't work. Yada, yada, blah, blah, fuck you too. These are iTunes reviews. I don't even know what to say about this review. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, it's titled what an introduction. Uh, it's titled "Great Show." It's got two exclamation points. Ugh. It's five star. I'm not even going to reveal the name yet. I'm I'm, I'm going to read this the way it is shown. It shows it, the first word is "ma," and it's spelled "muh." Ma. <laughs> and then there's like that bullet point thing, that little dot. It's a bullet point. And then it's a capital F, a capital I, and then another bullet point. So it says, ma, fa. <laughs> and then it's like it, got a mouthful of sugar daddies. <laughs> and then it says, sto, S T O W. It's Mephisto. Uh, Mephisto. It's Mephisto. <laughs> You've seen Mephisto in everything but this. <laughs> How is that possible? Dude, I just put this together now and you told me. Oh, I had no God. idea. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I just By thought the way, I've been right I've been right with you seeing Mephisto in everything, so I'm not breaking your balls. Oh my god. Yeah, this it it's totally Mephisto, but why why are you spelling it that way, dude? <laughs> totally to fuck with you and it worked. It totally did. <laughs> it's, it says Mafisto, <laughs> and then it says it says Jesus. So glad WandaVision is over. Dot dot dot, and that comes from Grammar Guardian. <laughs> so <laughs> I see why you were waiting to say the name. You, you thought he was just spouting gibberish at first. Yeah, I was like, "Who's the, you're not the Grammar Guardian." Oh my god, I am just, I, I am super slow. <laughs> I, it makes sense why I eat old people candy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm just saying that old people start to slow down a little bit in their older age. There's nothing wrong with it, Jake. It's all gonna, it's gonna happen to us all. What? Alright, old man. <laughs> So thank you for the iTunes review. I feel dumber. All right, let's get to our uh, SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run contest winners. Jake, last week we talked about Sponge on the Run, the SpongeBob movie, and people could uh, enter the contest here for five digital codes. So I'm going to have five winners here that win digital codes for SpongeBob Sponge on the Run. It's exciting. Five people will have silence from their kids for two hours. There you go. There you go. You can fucking shave your chicken skin balls while the kids are watching <laughs> Sponge on the Run. All right, here we go. First winner. First winner for SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run. Also, cameo from, uh, from what's his name? Uh, Danny Trejo's in it, I believe. And then also Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is in a uh, tumbleweed. Very, yes, I remember that from the trailer. Yes. It's a very funny trailer. Very funny, moment. very funny moment there in the old SpongeBob Sponge on the Run trailer, Jake. 
First winner is Rebecca Daling. Hey! Can you believe it? Can nice. you believe it? People are going to think I rig this thing. It's totally, it, I'm totally looking at the name here. I should screenshot this. I should totally. What a waste. She doesn't even have kids to silence. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. really, she shouldn't have entered the contest. Let's be honest, guys. Yeah. Yeah, she just ruined some parents' day. Yeah. Some kid now can't see SpongeBob because Rebecca decided that she had to enter this contest for a free SpongeBob. There's a parent out nice there. Nice job, Rebecca. Yeah. There's a parent out there that can't masturbate in their bathroom now. Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the movie. Next, next winner. Who do we got here? He's going to be a big fucking winner today. Gaku Ito. Gaku nice. Ito wins. I don't awesome. even know. I don't even know who that is, man. Yeah, I believe he's a Dragon Ball Z character. Dude, I was going to say the same fucking thing. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. I was either going to say that or the son of the judge from the O.J. Simpson case. <laughs> Judge Ito's kid. Yeah, Judge Ito's kid, Gaku. Gaku <laughs> Ito. Alright, what we uh, next winner? Here we go. That's two. Gaku Ito. Yeah, Super Saiyan himself. <laughs> Joseph? Joseph uh Olivares. You win. Alright, Joseph. I like him. He's a good guy. Yeah, Joe <laughs> O. He's a good one. Give us your O face, Joe O. <laughs> He's going to be giving his O face in the bathroom while the kids are watching SpongeBob Sponge on the Run. <laughs> Probably giving his O face here in this announcement that he yeah, won. Totally. Next winner. Paul Hart wins. All right, Paul. There we go. Right. I know a couple little kids, they're going to love SpongeBob. He's got kids. Yeah, they're going to love this shit. There you go, Paul. Finally a worthy winner. Finally a worthy winner. And the final winner. Probably a childless winner. <laughs> Joel Acuna Joel Acuna You win Who's Joel Acuna? I don't even know who Joel is But you won You won Joel Never heard of him Never heard of him I'm happy you're listening Joel You win You're a big winner And just so everybody knows I did enter Kevin Shank's name into it So everybody on Facebook <laughs> so I made a joke that he was disqualified He actually was in the in the running here So yeah those are the five winners. All right, let's see here. Oh, next week, next week, next week, uh, Snyder Cut. We're going to be doing the Snyder Cut and and a bonus episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So we're just going to be covering two things next week, and we're going to be covering those two things. So, yeah, Snyder Cut, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Can't wait to talk about both of those. Mm. How, lo how, how long is the Snyder Cut officially, do we know? Oh, oh. I don't know how to, it's four hours, but I don't know how to break up something. I don't know how to push stop when I'm at home and come back to it later. I'm just going to bitch about it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not complaining. No, 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 no. I didn't say it was you. I didn't say it was no. you, sir. I didn't say it was you. I'm just saying that was, uh, there might be people out there that use the exact same voice and cadence that I did and said it that way. <laughs> They're listening and right now going, fuck you, Brian. Fuck you, Brian. <laughs> Why is he making fun of my voice? Hey, here's the thing. With the Snyder Cut, just hit fucking stop. Just hit fucking stop and make yourself a sandwich or whatever the fuck you got to do. All right? Nobody's fucking, nobody's fucking clockwork orange forcing you to watch this shit. 
All right. Nobody's got that fucking little clockwork orange machine with your eyeballs. And just, oh, I'm locked into the Snyder Cut. I can't look away. Somebody give me some Visine drops in my eyeballs. I haven't blinked in a fucking hour. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off. Just hit stop. Walk away. Come back to it later. And you know what? If you don't want to come back to it later, if you're still bitching, this sucks. Then don't fucking watch it. Nobody's fucking forcing you to. All right? (laughs) Sorry. Wow, <laughs> Ray Fisher's gonna start complaining about you. After oh, I, oh, Jesus Christ! Oh no! Oh, the the treatment while I listen to PCL. Uh. <laughs> Ray, just hit stop. All right. <laughs> Got an email. Got an email here from Landon Cisneros. Hey again, fellas and guests. Jake. Asked if I was drunk for the first two years of your podcast, and he's not wrong. But that's a story for another time. I did. I knew it. You knew it, Jake. You knew it. I did quit smoking cigarettes and found solace over the years in Brian's battle to quit. Even recall when you said you were smoking again, and he audibly said to to no one, Come on, man, you got this. Do you think he's smoking now, Brian? Do, oh, do you think maybe he said it like this? Come on, man. You got this. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Landon Cisneros got a tracheotomy. <laughs> I really thought you were getting ready to go into the guy that can't pause the Snyder cut. No. <laughs> no. Come on, man. You got this. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what, what, the press also works for B. Arthur, by the way. B. Arthur? What about B. Arthur? You sounded like B. Arthur with your smoker's voice. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh. How Say dare. Blanche, you're a slut in that voice. How dare, how dare you, sir? Blanche, you're a slut. I don't know. Is that, uh, no. Oh, B. Arthur's on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody get a cheesecake. Let's see. Jake also asked if I met beets, and I gotta say, I eat beets every damned day. No joke. That's a squatty, that and a squatty potty, and you're invincible against <laughs> even the worst of Taco Bell. All right, dude. You went a little far there with the humor. I don't believe it either. Dude, dude's not eating beets every day. No one eats beets every day. Every damn day? Eating a beet? Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Exaggeration. Get out of here. Yeah. Huge thank you for recommending Psycho Gorman. Totally worth it for Mimi and the dad. They both had me rolling, and it was awesome to hear more about them in the bonus episode. Can't wait to spring this on my family without showing them a trailer. I'm reaching out because I realized when you read my last email that I barely mentioned where to find my band's live performance and just how extensive the entire project is. Like a damned high school show where someone forgets to put the date or location on the flyer. Total rookie move. The entire event is called Live in the Mojave Desert, Volume 1 through 5, and put on by Stoned and Dusted. Five bands total, each live stream every other week, and culminating the weekend of March 20th with a band called Stoner. Sparing no expense, each volume band will be released on their own individual Blu-ray and on vinyl, both regular black vinyl and various colors and designs. They went hard. All of it can be found at live in the Mojave Desert.com. Thank you all again for all that you do, and I hope to one day join you guys in the next hundredth milestone episode somewhere down the line. It's not somewhere down the line, it's like three or seventy but twenty eight episodes away, right, Jake? Yeah, you blink and it'll be here. Yeah. 
Yeah. Keep the beats going. That comes from Landon from Spirit oh, Money. He brought the beat shit back. Oh, yeah. You brought, Brian, keep the beat going. <laughs> keep the beat going, Brian. <laughs> hey, Greg, do you think that yeah. I, do you think that I single handedly keep the beat going, sir? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> keep the beat going. Hmm. <laughs> Keep that beat going, baby. Uh, let's jump into good pop, bad pop. That was fun. We've had some fun. We've had some fun here today, haven't we? I agree. Yes. Greg, have you had fun here today? I always have fun. Let's just end it then. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. Candy and scrotum talk. Let's end it on a high note. Yeah. I smell balls and candy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's that lounging in my Who's the? Who was that? That was uh, Marcy's play, playground. Marcy's playground. Playground. Yeah. Macy's playground. Uh, but if they would have had a second hit, maybe I'd remember their damn. You name. were thinking about Macy Gray or something, Macy right? Gray, exactly. Yeah, you kind of sure. combined them. She also only has one hit. Oh, well, she was a right. wonderful artist, but she had an absolutely worthless cameo. And was it Spider Man? Spider Man Two. Oh, I think it was. Was it Spider Man or Spider Man Two? Sony was one. way over into like the cross promotion shit with their Spider-Man movies, and that's why we got that shitty Nickelback song in the first one. Oh, because I, I think that. they I were that on was Spider-Man too. Was it? Oh man! E- either way, it was shitty. That's a Nickelback song. Of course, it was shitty. Oh, that was fucked up. That Nickelback song. Yeah, not good. Like Hero or some shit like that. Yeah, it was mm. really good to clear the theater out while the credits were playing, though. <laughs> yeah, no everyone was waiting for post credits. Start a new show like ten seconds later because everyone got the hell out of there. <laughs> Except for Canadians because they love Nickelback. In Canada, they had to leave an extra twenty minutes between the showings because people stayed. They love Nickelback in Canada. Is they that, do. Is that a thing? Is that real? Well, they're Canadian Nickelback, so Canadians love them. Well, I mean, I would want to distance myself. You know, oh, what you, I mean? would? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, we had nothing to do with that. Sorry. You know, the lead singer of Nickelback is married to um, Avril Lavigne's doppelganger. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Was it, is there a legit, is it like some, just somebody who looks like Avril Lavigne? Well, no, there's a conspiracy theory that Avril Lavigne died many years ago and that oh. someone else replaced her. Cause how, how did you, industry. how did you think that we even, I don't even know about this, Jake. I thought everyone knew about the Avril Lavigne conspiracy theory. I'm sorry for assuming that. I got to Google this. Hold on. It's crazy. It's a crazy conspiracy How theory. Google There's all it. kinds of lyrics hidden in her albums that it <laughs> up. And Was she created by the Magus when he got the Cosmic Cube? Is that how she <laughs> – that's a deep cut right there. Yeah. Uh, right. Oh, my God. You're right. It's all over. I actually found a website called Teen Vogue. Avril Lavigne was replaced by a doppelganger. And – you know what? I'm 100%. This is the same woman, hands down. I'm all in on this conspiracy. All right. I, I'm, I'm not all in on this whole discussion, though. Like, like we, this, let's bury it. Don't be a hater, boy. Is that a song that she sang? Yes. All right. <laughs> Jake, all right. if you want to start an investigative podcast on this and we co-host it together, and just <laughs> we'll talk later. All right. Yeah, please do this on your own time. It'll be All like right? cereal, but with you and me. I mean, seriously, guys, you know, I, we can get back to ball and candy talk if you want to. <laughs> 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 
right, let's jump into good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. So real quick, this is just real quick for me. I went, I watched, uh, I, I get the AMC plus app and, uh, they drop the walking dead episodes. They drop, honestly, I think like all their shows, they drop days early if you have AMC plus, but they drop the new walking dead episodes on Thursdays as opposed to Sundays when they regularly air. And I caught up, I caught up with this new season it's, I think it's still fucking season 10. Like, it's, it's, I thought season Weird. 10 ended and, uh, season 10 is back and now Maggie's back, but this, this is the third episode into the season. And I honestly think like this is such a standalone episode that if you haven't watched The Walking Dead in years, you could watch this next episode that's going to premiere on Sunday and, uh, and, and just watch this one episode. The reason I want to bring it up is because it's the episode where we get actor Robert Patrick, who has been teased. And, uh, you guys know Robert Patrick. He played the T-1000 in Terminator 2, and he is in this episode. And, uh, yeah, I honestly think that this episode stands alone. Like, you could watch this as a standalone episode, having not watched The Walking Dead in years, and still watch this episode. So, if that's something that you're interested in, and if you like Robert Patrick, check out the next episode of The Walking Dead. I actually really enjoyed the episode quite a bit. Is this the one that's been getting a lot of buzz because it kind of foreshadows a potential Rick return? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, um, I mean, I know Daryl, they, they had an episode previously where Daryl is out looking for Rick. Okay, that must be the one. Yeah, he's looking for evidence of Rick's death or Rick in general. So, but this one is, it's a, it's, it's basically, it's a Gabriel and Aaron centric episode and, and Robert Patrick is also in it. So yeah, I, check it out. Check it out. If you dropped off The Walking Dead and you're not a fan anymore, whatever, it's cool. But if you want to see like, you know, an episode, a newer episode and, and like, you know, it's, it's a standalone. It's such, I think, I really think it is a super standalone episode that people c- could get into it this episode a little bit more than, you know, the other episodes that have like these major ongoing stories from previous seasons. So yeah, check it out. It is interesting though. It's like Maggie is, you know, Negan, Maggie is back and, and, and Negan is part of the community now. And I mean, she hasn't dealt with that and it is, you know, we've got Maggie's son and she named her son Herschel. And oh my god, the cutest little kid, and he fucking looks just like a young Glenn with the hat on, you know. And um, uh-huh. yeah, it was it was pretty cool. So yeah, The Walking Dead, check it out. Uh, I went to the theater last night, and this is a movie that I'd been wanting to see. I I saw The Father. Um, this is a uh, 
drama film. It's co-written and directed by Florian Zeller based on his 2012 play Les Pères. Um, according to The Guardian, Jake, Florian Zeller is, quote, the most exciting playwright of our time. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. I thought we were getting ready to go into more uh, scrotum talk with the uh, Le Pair. <laughs> uh, like a Le Pair of balls? Yeah. yeah. Wow, Jake. That is a uh, – that's quite a leap there, sir. <laughs> no way. Was it going to be jumping into ball talk? <laughs> Anyway, a French-British co-production. The film stars Anthony Hopkins, Olivia Coleman, Mark Gaddis, Imogen Poots, whose name sounds like a polite way to say that you farted. Rufus Sewell and Olivia Williams and follows an aging man who must deal with his progressing memory loss. The, mo- the movie presents a dev- devastatingly empathetic portrayal of dementia. And... uh I saw I saw a couple trailers before I saw this for movies that I had not seen or knew were coming out. Have you guys seen the trailer for Voyagers? I've not. It's it's uh Colin Farrell, Ty Sheridan, Lily Rose Depp, so Johnny Depp's daughter, and it's a crew of astronauts on a multi-generational mission descend into paranoia and madness, not knowing what is real or not. And like there's it's I don't know. Like this movie could be really good. It's like science fiction. It's an 86 year voyage to another planet. And so like they brought these kids on this voyage to be like the future crew for like when they die for when they die. And they're like giving these kids like this blue liquid that I think what I gathered from the trailer, like suppresses their like emotions. So like these kids, don't have any emotions. They're basically emotionless because of this blue liquid that they've been drinking. And like one of the kids figures this out and stops drinking it and starts having all these emotions and kids start getting horny on this fucking ship. And it's fucking crazy, dude. It looks fucking wild. It could either be really good or just be really bad. It's a cool concept. It is a very cool concept. It kind of reminded me of like chaos walking, which was like, Mm -hmm. well, Chaos Walking, they had like a voyage to this other Earth, kind of like another Earth, and it was like a 60-plus year voyage. This, like, but that you get to the planet in that story, and then there's a whole other sci-fi element introduced into into Chaos Walking. But, like, this is just, like, focused on the 86-year-old voyage to, like, this other planet. And it looks super interesting, man. This could be really good or really bad. I'm I'm looking forward to it. And then I saw, I think it was called French Exit, which sounds very pornographic. It sounds dirty. Yeah, it does. It sounds dirty. It does. I'm going to give her the old French Exit here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know if she's ready for it. Ah. I'll see. Let's see, let's see how open she really is. Give her the old French, French Exit. French Exit is an exit made without saying farewell to anybody. Greek exit would be much worse. A what exit? A Greek exit? Because do you know that's like prostitute slang? Like it, and I think from World War II, like they would say, "Oh, I speak French and Greek." And if they said, "I speak Greek," it means they do they do anal. Oh, you never heard that before? No, I <laughs> no. <laughs> like when the sailors were on shore leave and they would meet up with the prostitutes, that's how they would advertise what they're willing to do. You, sir, are well-versed in porny <laughs> shit. Very porny shit. You're just very well-versed. Yeah. The, the more you know. The more you know. That more you know star gives you the old French accent. Um, 
Yeah, French. It's got uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in it and Lucas Hedges. Looks looks pretty damn good, actually. Michelle Pfeiffer's back doing movies. I saw The Father, and uh, yeah, this is – you've got a guy who – uh, Anthony Hopkins, he's playing a guy, Anthony, older guy, and he's living in his flat, and he's got his daughter played by Olivia Coleman, and, uh, she's, you know, trying to basically get a live-in nurse, somebody, like a, like a caretaker to take care of him, because, you know, he's getting older in his years, and it's harder for him to take care of himself. He's dead set against it. This is my flat, I'm not moving, blah, blah, blah. And then what ends up happening is like, Another woman comes into his flat and it's another actor that's playing his daughter. And so it's like, what is going on here? And I, I think like, I want people to watch this and not be confused as far as like, is this like, is there a big twist here? It, it's just, it is just a movie about dementia. And so he's mixing things up in his, in his mind. It's, I don't think I don't, people should not watch this thinking that there's going to be like this twist of like what's real and what's not real. You're just you're seeing it from this old man's point of view that's that's suffering from dementia and Hopkins is just he is a fucking force. This guy is incredible. I can't believe at his age he is still able to do what he does. He is phenomenal in this film um one you know playing this character like one moment he's super you know aggressive about like not leaving no i don't need anyone to take care of me the next minute he's super sensitive and then there's even other moments where he's kind of like reverting back to a child and he's asking for his mom and it's fucking heartbreaking there's a scene in this of elder abuse that will just fucking tear at your core. It's just so sad. I, it's not like I watch this movie. I'm like, Oh my God, this is fucking awesome. I love this movie. I did really enjoy it a lot. And I thought all the acting from everyone involved, it's super powerful. Some of the things are super subtle, just like looks that Olivia Coleman will give when she looks at her father. And just kind of like what she's going through. Like she loves him so much. Like this is the guy that has taken care of her for years. Now it's her turn to take care of him. But it's it's weighing on her. It's like ripping her apart. And it's like, do you send him to a home? Do you do this? And and um, But you're seeing all this from his point of view. And you're having to piece it all together. And I think this movie does a wonderful job of like by the end of it, you you understand – what he's been seeing, what he's been going through. And um it's heartbreaking, man. It's a heartbreaking movie. I Tupperware all the performances and I Tupperware this movie. Um it's not it's not gonna be something everyone should watch. If you've had to deal with like a family member going through this, this is gonna be a tough watch if you if you decide to watch it. But um Anthony Hopkins, man, what a fucking force. Olivia Coleman is incredible in this movie. And there's so many subtle things that she does just with like her, like facial expressions, the way that she'll look at, 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 at her father and the way it's, she's so good in this movie. I give it a Tupperware. It's called the father. It's out now in theaters. 
Um, hopefully it'll be available to stream here shortly, but if you do want to make your way to a theater and see this one, um, don't get ready to, to watch a feel good movie because it is not that type of movie, but man, it really makes you think. And that's what I loved about this movie. It really makes you think about like how elderly people are treated in their later years. And there, there needs to be some level of care and compassion. And it's, it's almost like, it's almost like, you kind of understand where Olivia Coleman is coming from, you know, considering maybe putting him to a home. But on the flip side, like it's, it's, it's super sad to see it play out and to see him in this state. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you want to see Anthony Hopkins, just still fucking killing it though. Oh my God. This guy is incredible. I can't believe it at his age, man, just fucking putting on performances like this. This guy is incredible. Oh, the father you guys got nothing to say yeah i was i'm just trying to look up how old he was myself 83 years old that's amazing he's 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 so good it says when he gives his birthday in the movie it's actually his real life birthday that he in the movie he says he was born december 31st 1937 wow and that is his actual birthday wow he's he's really good in this movie this movie will make you think man it'll tear at your heartstrings too and like there's an uh the elder abuse scene just fucking like I did tear up. I really, I like legit teared up in this movie and it was a hard watch. It really makes you think, man, really makes you think. Is it kind of told through his POV? It very much so. Like you'll, you'll have a scene where he walks into a room. He's having a conversation with his daughter and she's talking about how, you know, she's, she's met a man and she's moving to Paris and then he'll go into another room and then come back out or whatever. And like his daughter is a completely different looking woman. And she's talking about how she never said she was moving to Paris, that she plans on staying in London. It's, it's, it's very much you're following his story. And then by the end of it, you really kind of pulls the curtain away. It still does what it's doing where you're still seeing his point of view, but it opens it up to where you can see like, you can see where his confusion comes from and you can see what really has been going on here this entire time and the conversations that he's been having. And it, I mean, there's, it feels like, it feels like when you watch it, like there's time displacement, but I think they're just trying to do their best job of showing you what it's like for this man to be suffering from dementia. What a tragedy. I still remember, um, back in high school, I stayed with, uh, I went away to do some landscaping work with my boss and his family at that time. And I was their grandmother was there who had terrible Alzheimer's and she was asking for her husband and he had been dead for 30 years at that point. And I still remember, you know, when you, when they told him, when they told her he had passed, it's like she heard it for the first time again, uh, you know, I'm just, just tragic. Yeah. Awful, awful stuff for people to go through. There's definitely moments like that in this movie. Yeah. There's definitely moments like that in this movie. Um, yeah, yeah. Land, Land, this is a movie that you can rent now on video on demand. It's also in theaters. After a woman experiences an unspeakable tragedy, she retreats to an isolated cabin, surviving hardship and a near-death experience in the wilderness, and a surprise friendship. She must become comfortable living again. Land is a drama directed by Robin Wright. In her feature directorial debut from a screenplay by Jesse Chatham and Aaron Dignam, it stars Robin Wright, 
Demian Bashir and Kim Dickens. And, uh, Greg, I know you got a chance to watch land. Um, what did you think about this movie land? I want, I, I'll get into my thoughts, but I want to know what you thought about this one. So I just want you to, I want to be transparent and talk about my experience watching this film. It did take me three sittings to, to get through it. Um, the first sitting I said to myself, wow, that's been a, that first hour really dragged on and I paused and I was 23 minutes in to the movie. Mm. Um, I struggled quite badly with this film. Um, it feels very much like a, a vanity project. Um, it seems like it was um, like Castaway, but uh, sort of an attempt at Castaway where it's weaving in this sort of mystery of what obviously the devastating event that caused her to pursue this life in the wilderness was throughout. But for somebody like me who struggles with their attention span, I just found it really, really tedious. And I, I didn't find myself as invested in finding out what caused her to go out into the wilderness on her own. I mean, it was clear pretty early that she lost her husband in some terrible, tragic way. I just, I, I, I found the movie to be boring. I, I really did. It just didn't, it didn't grasp me. It took three viewings, like I said, to get through it. I'm still going to say it's a low taste it just for the ambition of the thing, but um, it just didn't do anything for me. Uh, I'm going to echo a lot of what you're saying, to be quite honest with you. Um, this, I, I think for like her directorial debut, this is, this is good, but honestly, I was, it did drag, it, it, it did drag and it, it, the pacing was slow and, and, um, I don't, it was slow and then, and then she starts to learn how to live out there and then it just kind of like, I don't know, it's just, it it kind of, I don't want to get into spoilers with this one that's what I'm trying to trying to figure out how to like say what I want to say without spoiling this movie um I think Robin Wright gives a fine performance I just think that the story itself and it it, it is kind of a slog and as far as like the survival stuff it really kind of Shows you how hard it was, but on the flip side, it kind of glosses over like her, you know, it's kind of like a, like a montage of her learning things, you know? Um, but, uh, there was a little bit of scenery chewing in this movie too. Yeah. There's, and I felt, I feel awful because it's such an earnest performance and so well intended, but there's one point in which she's just crying in agony and it just is too much. And then there's another scene where. I think she's trying to beat a door down and it ends up opening up and she flies through it. But I, I just started laughing in the most inappropriate way. There was just something about that moment that I thought was hysterical. <laughs> uh, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't remember there were multiple that. times in this movie in which I laughed and I wasn't supposed to be laughing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's called land because I wanted to land in a ravine after jumping off a bridge after having to sit through it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was really bad. It was really hard to get through. Bad is the wrong word. Hard to sit through is probably the better description. Yeah. I, I mean, if I think of like, if you think of like survival movies and stuff like that, I do think that, you know, Castaway is a better one. Even, uh, what was it? Into the Wild. Have you seen Into the yeah. Wild? I've seen into the way it's been a while, but I've seen it. Yeah. And it's, that's based on a true story. And I, I thought that that was, I thought that that was a really well done movie. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, this one's, it's, I'll give it a taste that I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. And, um, it is hard to get through. I think maybe it took me a couple times to, to get through this one as well. <laughs> you know, you know, I took the Snyder cut approach where I walked away and I came back, you know what I mean? But it's not four hours. It's like an hour and a half or so. So yeah, that's land with Robin Wright. I mean, I, there's going to be some people that love this movie. I just, you know, just, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. So I, you'll get a kick out of this too, Brian. So you've never met my wife, but she knows who you are. Cause I've listened to your podcast for, you know, eight years and I've been on a bunch of times and she was cursing you out. We're sitting through this movie. She's like fucking Brian with a <laughs> shitty movie. Wow. <laughs> in a loving way. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. In, in a loving way. Because her other, her other running with you was when you started playing the bacon pancakes bumper and I started singing it all the time. But, you know, she was uh, she was not happy with you for this one. But you've met, you've made many wonderful recommendations over the years. So don't you're, you're still you have a special place in her heart. But this was a tough sit for her, too. Oh, wow. Man, I'm fucking I'm fucking up marriages now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> I apologize, Andy Jill. <laughs> she'll appreciate that uh i never want people to you know like i don't know what i'm getting into with these fucking movies i, I never want people that's I, you the know. fun of it that's yeah. the fun of it it is the fun of it yeah it is and i mean that, that's the thing i'm trying to say like this is 20 bucks to rent now and 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 i'm trying to keep people from fucking i know that you know there's a lot of people that are starved for like you know new movies and stuff because they haven't been able to go to the theater i know there's I've gotten several text messages from friends saying I haven't, it's official. I haven't been to a movie theater in a year now. And so people are like dying for like new content. And I know we're always getting new content, but you know, it's one of those things where like, no, this is not worth 20 bucks. Do not drop 20 bucks on land. Wait until this lands on another streaming service and you can watch it. <laughs> you can watch it for free. <laughs> you can watch it for free. Assembled. The making of WandaVision. This dropped on Disney Plus. About, I think it was, honestly, this was longer than any episode of WandaVision. Correct. And it didn't have seven minutes of credits. Assembled as a comprehensive documentary series that chronicles the creation of Marvel Studios' thrilling new shows and theatrical releases. Assembled as an immersive and in-depth examination of the next phase of the MCU. This one was focused on WandaVision. I'm going to take a wild guess, and the next episode of Assembled is going to be Assembled, The Making of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Just throwing it out there. No fucking way. Oh. Sir, I will, I'll put five on it. <laughs> no, 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 I completely agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like this quite a bit. A lot of the stuff, you know, that we learned in this was stuff that we'd seen come out in like variety articles. We heard about, you know, the meeting with, uh, you know, Matt Shackman and uh, Kevin Feige sitting down talking with Dick Van Dyke about like how they made, you know, these shows. I really what I loved about this is just seeing some of my favorite stuff in this one is to see what links they went to in order to make, you know, the 50s, 60s, 70s feel so authentic to the time. Even to the point where like they had the people that were working on the sets dressed in like attire that you would see in the fifties or sixties, like, you know, they were coming on the set and making adjustments and I was, and they were dressed like people from the time they really went all out. The studio audience, they used like 
they tried to replicate what the studio audience chairs would look like at that time and everything, everything down to, you know, the special effects were not, they weren't like, you know, CGI. They were using practical effects, the same effects that, that were used in the show Bewitched. And just to make it that much more authentic, I, I really appreciated this quite a bit because I think you really kind of learn the links that they go to to keep the authenticity of uh, of all these you know uh, of all all these old Hollywood TV shows. I, I was really impressed with how with this documentary, Jake. Yeah, um, I agree. My favorite stuff was the stuff dealing with the making of the 50s, 60s, and 70s sitcoms. I thought that was really cool. How awesome would it have been to gotten to be one of those studio audience members Yeah, to sit in on this? That would have just been so freaking cool. And it looked like um, the two stars, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany were having just so much fun on set. Paul and Bettany so- loved it. He was like, uh, uh, he was like, why did it take me so long to do this? I should have been in TV a long time ago. He loved it. Yeah, and that was just great. And seeing some of the candid stuff that was going on in between takes, I, I found really fascinating. Also, I never really thought about this until watching this, but Elizabeth Olsen talks about how really at no time before this show was she ever allowed to be anything but just uber serious. And this is honestly the first time she's been able to even make like one kind of comedic note. And I I just never really put that together because, I mean, the Marvel movies always have that, you know, dose of comedy. But her character is a character that's just been played serious in every appearance she's been in. Like there's no wisecracks or jokes or winks to the audience coming yeah. from Wanda Maximoff in any of the MCU movies. So right. I thought that was a really interesting fact. I'm going to give this a high taste it though. Um, what keeps it from being a Tupperware for me are just some omissions in the making of that I really wanted to see. Um, I'm a huge fan of Christoph Beck, the guy who does the um, score for WandaVision. He composed all the original music and not even a mention of his name or talking to him. And I thought his score for the show was very powerful and kind of one of the key components to the mystery and just the intrigue. And I I just thought he did a really great job with the score and was just kind of awestruck that they didn't even mention him or talk to him or, or bring that aspect up at all. And I also found it very, they obviously made this before the episodes aired. Like this was, already in the can or they would have talked about the itunes number one charting agatha all along with the Mm -hmm. lopez's i I couldn't believe that they weren't even gonna bring that sequence up which was one of the most memorable sequences of the whole series so just for those two omissions i'm gonna knock it down to a high taste it look at you you nitpicky fuck what do you think i don't think it's nitpicky that the composer of the entire show doesn't even get a mention in the making of that's pretty bogue yeah, look, if you love WandaVision, and I did, you're going to love this making of because you get so much insight. I mean, seeing the 1950s kitchen in color was amazing to me. It's not the color I thought it was. It was just this almost canary, canary's yellow, I guess. But it was this light blue that I never envisioned it being. And the amount of thought that even went into what the special effects look like and how they work and um, just absolutely incredible. 
I do have one, I'll call it a little bit of a bias, though. And I feel the same way about the Mandalorian gallery making making ofs and the, some of the making ofs that we get on the Marvel Blu-rays. When Disney does these documentaries, for understandable reasons, it feels like they sanitize it a little bit. And what I mean, you never hear about people not getting along on set. You never hear about Creative Visions Clash. I, I would love a little bit more. Again, this is not a big Yeah, complaint. maybe we find out but, the composer was a complete cunt. I want a little more, like, transparency <laughs> in these making ofs. Like, you know, like, we know now from some of the interviews, we, they hinted at some of the COVID challenges in this. I would have liked them to go deep on that. Like, just tell us, give us a more sincere look. I don't need a two-hour hype video for something I've already watched, right? I watched the show. I love the show. I love the insight into how it was made. And I would love it if Disney would show us a little bit more about what it really was like to make this show. Cause I'm sure every time we see one of these making ups from, Oh, everybody loved each other and they all loved working together. And well, this is brilliant. And this person's brilliant. And whoa, Disney magic. Yeah. You know, I just, it feels insincere a little bit, but that being said, I love the show. I love the making of, and it was a great watch. <laughs> you want to see the scene of Catherine Hahn saying, fuck you, and walking off. I want, to see the, I want to see them go like, Catherine, one more take. And she's like, hey, fuck you, I'm calling my agent. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, well, we get these wires off me. <laughs> we might get this after Thor, Love and Thunder, and we get the Christian Bale. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. And also, you know, like, I, I don't know how much Natalie Portman loved being in the first two movies. So I would think I would think she'd love working with Taika Waititi, obviously. I would yeah. just have to guess he's a blast to work with. But I did see those pictures of her, uh, Jake. With, Over she's jacked as fuck. Yeah. They look photoshopped. She's so jacked. Yeah, she's really been putting putting the time in the gym. I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed. So, yeah. Yeah. I, to speak to what you're saying, yeah. Greg, I think she's gone on record for not enjoying her filming of Thor 1 and Thor Ag- 2. Agree. Yeah, I think she's been pretty clear that she didn't like it. And she's, I think she feels the same way about the Star Wars prequels, too. She's pretty transparent that she didn't like it. Hmm. I hope that changes with uh, working with Taika here and getting out. A- I'm pretty sure the only reason she came back was because of Taika. Yeah, and probably the storyline, too. And the storyline. They're giving yeah. her something to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, she's going to be the mighty Thor. You know, that's that's huge. So yeah, definitely they're giving her something something to do as opposed to just being like Thor's love interest. So yeah, uh, I I really. <laughs> what did you rate this, Greg? High taste it. Taste I'll go it? with a high taste it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, I get that Disney's not going to show us like it's not going to be like a Francis Ford Coppola look into the dark world of WandaVision. You sure. know, it just I would just love a little more. Not everything is perfect and rosy and everybody loving each other when you make these things. I'm sure it's a slog at sometimes. Yeah, I, I want I want them to take time away to talk about like all the people pissing and moaning on the project. That'd be fun. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I do agree that it would be interesting to see the COVID challenges. Like, why are we hiding that that was a thing? And it, like, that's part of the making of too. And I would like to know, you know, how that impacted the filming. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, I'm so, I'm, I, I hate COVID. So it's like, yeah, I guess that's interesting. Part of me, part of me, Part of me just wants like that to, for them to gloss over it, so I don't have to be reminded that we're going through this right now. That's just me personally. 
I wanted the I wanted to see them sit down with Dick Van Dyke. That's what I wanted. I wanted. Oh, how amazing would that have been? That was my only real gripe with this. Was like I really wanted to kind of like I wanted to be in that room and hear like what he had to say. And I mean, he's just such a knowledge when it comes to you know that old those old sitcoms because like that show really you know it kind of set a bar you know that and you know Lucy and. And the honeymooners, those were like those were big shows back then. So, yeah, it'd been great to hear from from Dick Van Dyke. Um, South Park. Did you guys watch the South Park vaccination? I did. I yes. Did. <laughs> the central the South Park vaccination special. I watched it on HBO Max. Uh, the, the central. Let, let's try. I know. Let's. Let, okay, we could easily jump into politics, but I'm not having it. Okay. There's a lot of other funny stuff here in this that don't deal with the with the politics. The central plot involves residents of South Park's uh, of South Park clamoring for the COVID nineteen vaccine, while conspiracy theorists oppose vaccinations. In a subplot, main characters Cartman, Stan, and Kyle reevaluate their friendship, which has been tested and damaged by the pandemic. Um, I I fucking I don't think that this was as good as the pandemic special, but I did, I did really like it. I liked how, I liked how like they, they made, they made Walgreens like the new club to get into. They made it like a club. They had like a fucking bouncer out front that was security and all these people trying to get into Walgreens to get this vaccination. And then like, you see like the old people, like elderly people are like the VIPs and they're like, he's opening up like the red velvet rope for them and letting them in. And then this one old woman who gets in cuts the line. She she throws up middle fingers and she's like, (laughs) she says 79 bitches, 79. (laughs) She's, 79 years old. I lost my shit. I lost my shit. I think Trey Parker and Matt Stone are just, and it's crazy how quickly they can put these episodes out. It's so insane how quickly they can put out these episodes and make it so fucking topical and timely. They just did a great job with this. I thought it was fantastic. I will give it a high taste. It. It's not, I thought, I thought the, the pandemic special was, was better. I'll give that a Tupperware. But, um, and they kind of shied away from Randy and I, and a lot of people have been bitching about Randy and his whole weed farm and shit. I've loved it. I've loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was great in the pandemic special and I thought it was great in the previous season and they kind of shied away from it in this one, but I had a lot of fun with it. And, um, Mr. Garrison's back and he's got Mr. Service with him. My question, my question, I don't know what you guys thought about it, but my question is like, was the broship between, you know, Cartman and Stan and Kyle, was it kind of very loosely based on the fellowship of the rings? Where they had to take the vaccines into like, you know, to the school and it was kind of like taking the ring, the one ring into Mount Doom. I didn't pick up on that. I, no, I didn't pick up on that either. I didn't pick up on it until I started like doing notes and like they called it the, you know, Cartman's calling it the bro ship. <laughs> and then this basically like the school is surrounded by the cutie kids. And I was like, is this like the big battle of the fellowship? And the fellowship got broken. The bro ship got broken just like the fellowship. 
I don't know. I don't know. I, it's, I thought it was very loosely part of like Lord of the Rings. I don't know. So I guess I'm the only one that picked that up. If it, I was wondering if there was very loose Hamilton homages going on here, constantly talking about the one shot. Yep. I thought they were going there and were they nervous about being so explicit that they get copyrighted or something? That was my only guess because it, I thought they were going in a Hamilton direction too. Yeah. See, I haven't, I still haven't watched Hamilton, so I can't, I can't even, uh, comment on that. But what'd you think, Jake? Um, yeah, you know, I've not been the biggest South Park fan for many a year. Uh, the movie's an absolute Tupperware for me. I kind of think that's where the show peaked. Um, I have honestly not watched an episode of South Park, I think, in maybe seven, eight years. That's insane, cause it's been, it's, it's come back with a, it's come back with a force, dude. It's been great these last, like three seasons have just been phenomenal. I'm I'm gonna have to go back and watch some of that because this apparently was not the time to come back and check out South South Park again because I absolutely hated this. Um, I didn't find it. It wasn't offensive. It wasn't inappropriate. I have no issues like that. I just thought at the end of the day it was completely unfunny, and I don't know if that's because I've missed a lot of the mythology. But I mean, I did not laugh once at this thing it was a complete toss it for me the only two things i wrote down that i found slightly humorous was a the rave music emanating from the walgreens i thought was a was a funny touch and i thought uh, jesus himself trying to get the uh vaccination was pretty pretty humorous too but neither were like moments that actually made me laugh out loud or anything uh yeah i don't know i south park just like I said, maybe there's other episodes that are better. You're saying the other special was better than this, but I don't know. I didn't get any of the Mr. Garrison stuff that was going you, on. Like of course, like, you're not going to get that because you haven't watched the past, you know, three, four seasons. Yeah, exactly. It felt like those jokes were being written for people that were steeped into the mythology of those characters. And that is not me. So it felt like it was jokes made for for someone that wasn't me. So I, I didn't think they were bad jokes. I, did, I just didn't understand the jokes and it didn't really do much for me. I, I, I did not care for this much at all. If you're, if you're a South Park fan, I'm sure you'll probably enjoy this, but if you haven't watched South Park for six, seven years and you decide that this is going to be your way to get back, you know, open the door and get back into it. There's gotta be a better way than this. Mm. Greg. I'm exactly the person that Jake is describing. I still remember in college sitting on my computer and downloading that South Park. It was like a pilot for oh, it. Yeah. It took probably like 40 minutes to download and watching it. I watched Love that. South I watched Park. that on fucking – somebody had copied it on VHS and brought oh, yeah. it over to the Absolutely. house that I lived Same. at. I bought mine from a comic book store, like a bootleg VHS oh, yeah. Yeah. comic book store. Watched South Park all the time in college. I don't remember the last time I saw South Park. I've got to tell you, Jake, I laughed my balls off. <laughs> I laughed so hard. And the, I don't know. It's like my really weird sense of humor. Every joke about the old people getting vaccinated and just destro just destroying society because they've been vaccinated. I was laughing so hard. There's this one scene where there's like a Jeep full of six or seven old people piled in and they pull up to it was either to the reporter or to the kids. And the old guy goes, I'm going to go to a bar and get some pussy. I was fucking dying. <laughs> I was like, laughing for an hour. I really laughed throughout i had belly laughs throughout this thing um 
So much so that I do want to go back and watch more South Park. I'm precisely the person you're describing. But maybe it's because of the time and place that we're in right now. I just thought yeah. the timeliness of the humor was it's so, so on good. point. Yeah. It, it, and, if you go back and you watch previous seasons, like it is very much tailored for like what we're going through in each season. And you can, uh, PC principal, um, uh, PC principal is the new principal of the school. And then there's a empowered female, which is like his girlfriend. And then they end up having babies and they're like the PC babies. And it is, there's been some great fucking seasons of South Park that have come out. I know like, I can't, I can't speak. I want to say Rebecca loves it too. I know Rebecca has been watching South Park and um, I wonder what she thinks about this if she watched it. But man, I've loved like the last three, four seasons of South Park. I've, you know, I, I dropped off. I said, I'm done with Family Guy. I haven't watched Family Guy in like four years, but I still can't get enough of South Park. What was the deal with the reporter who kept cursing out the guy at the desk? Just re- like he would just lose his shit on every. I was laughing at that too, but I don't know if there's some inside joke there. I'm missing out. Those on. were two new characters, but it's they're playing both sides. Like <laughs> I don't want to get oh, into it's a it political too. thing. We can yeah, skip that. But yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought that was hysterical. I did think the deliberation between the kids about what they were going to do with Kenny was one of the funnier moments. That was funny too. I just like how it was one of those jokes where it wasn't funny at first, but then by the time it's gone on for like three or four minutes and they're going back to the two, two, three, I was starting to find the humor in it. I love, I loved, I love, well, I enjoyed the episode. I, I loved many parts. I, I just don't think it was as good as the pandemic special. Um, but, uh, I'll give it a high taste it. And, uh, that's the South Park vaccination special. You could watch it on HBO Max. This is something I didn't get a chance to watch this week. Um, but I know you guys watched it. Condor on Epics. I'm confused about this. It looks like it kind of like, I think Epics just got it now, but it looks like it was originally filmed in 2018 from what I can see. So I almost message like sent you a message, Brian, because I was very confused too. If, if I was watching what I was supposed to be watching. Yeah. I finally figured out that this is like, it's been the second season got picked up on Epics. Mm. And what Epics is doing is replaying the first season in a week by week basis. Okay. To get their, subscribers primed for the brand new second season gotcha so they pick this property up okay okay interesting uh based on three days of the condor cia analyst joe turner stumbles onto a plan that threatens the lives of millions and in doing so becomes the target himself what did you think about this one greg uh you know i'm a i'm a huge fan of um captain america the winter soldier it's my favorite mcu film still um, I remember when I, you know, when I saw that film, people said, "Hey, this is just totally the vibe of Three Days of the Condor." And I went back and I watched the, you know, 1975 movie with Robert Redford. I'm a sucker for this kind of storytelling. I, I really did enjoy this first episode. I would give it a high taste. It. Um, one of the things that I found personally is. Outside of the conspiracy stuff, there were certain scenes in which characters were having conversations that felt a little clunky to me, like the dialogue just wasn't working. There were scenes in which they were talking about like the character's love life that just felt awkward to me. But the actual core of the mystery, I found really compelling and intriguing, and I'm totally going to keep watching it. Also, my God, Brendan Fraser in this in this show. Not- He's in this show? 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but not in a way you've ever seen him before. Oh wow! I mean, so much so he's that I not went, playing in he's not playing Encino Man. Hell no! So much so that I went, that's not Brandon Brandon Fraser, is it? And I had to look at it. And sure enough, it is a totally one eighty. So I enjoyed it. I'd give it a high taste. It um, definitely will watch more. But I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff. When they reboot the new Fraser. I hope that it's Brendan Fraser and he just plays the character of Fraser. <laughs> I'm shocked that you would want that being such a fan of the original series. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear Brendan Fraser sc- sing the scrambled egg song. <laughs> well, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Dude, I, oh God, Jake, I love Frasier. Oh my God, I love Frasier. I love Frasier so much. It's like, that is comfort TV for me. Yeah, it was a great show. A lot of spinoffs of popular shows are just such garbage. And that's like the exception that proves the rule right there. Yeah. Um, Mork and Mindy was a spinoff of Laverne and Shirley. Yeah, Mork and Mindy's not a great show, though. I, Mork and Mindy is a great show. Oh, my God. <laughs> the the humor of Robin Williams. There is nobody that can fucking do the high-energy fucking comedy that he did. He was so funny and off the my cuff. My favorite stuff in Mork and Mindy is the Jonathan Winters as their kid stuff. Th- that's good, too. But, my God, you, you go back and you watch Mork and Mindy and, like – there's something so special about Robin Williams and just like his humor is just there's no, there's never been another comedian like Robin Williams. He was a special person. I mean, wasn't the Facts of Life a spinoff technically? Facts of Life was a spinoff of Different Strokes. It was yep. um uh Ray uh Charlotte Ray who played the mm-hmm. maid Mrs. Garrett. Mrs. Garrett on Different Strokes then went to uh take uh she took care of those girls in the uh the girls school and that girls boarding academy and uh there yeah there was even episodes of Arnold and Willis and Kimberly and Mr. Drummond showing up on episodes of Facts of Life I think if you watch the, the, the extended different strokes universe it, it was very much so well the, yeah. uh Frasier Frasier uh the Cheers had Frasier as a spin-off but it also had another show about Carla's ex-husband the Tortellis the Tortellis, oh, I remember that. I remember that. It, that was a that huge one didn't work plot. out. It lasted. Wasn't it Jay, Jay, what's his name? Was the, um, oh, what's his name? The actor. I don't remember. Anyway, carry on. I do know that his wife in that show was Casey Kasem's real life wife. That's, oh my God. And have you, have you, have you watched any of the datelines about that situation? No. Uh, you, y'all need to Google that. <laughs> I because, need to watch the datelines. What's going on with that? Oh, first of all, let me just say, allegedly, allegedly, she, like, there was this whole saga with Casey Kasem's body where the dude wasn't buried for years, and she was a lot younger than Casey and yeah. did not get along with his kids. And um, there's a very interesting, I think it's Dateline, where they talk about the the tension between her and Casey Kasem's kids and who's getting the money and why he has not yet been buried at this point. I I think he's since been buried, but there was a lot of drama over where he was actually going to be buried. What the fuck? So like, what do you do with an unburied body? Uh, I think they just put him in a refrigerator or something. (sighs) Wow. He's just like in a frigid air somewhere. Yeah. Next (laughs) next to some snow cones and things like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> Mom, Snow cones. I'm gonna go get a. I'm gonna go get a bomb pop. Right. <laughs> Next thing you know, you Bob got this bomb pop is really veiny. Yeah. yeah. When you finish the pop, there's a little little gumball and Casey Kasem's corpse right there. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, it's behind Casey Kasem's left butt cheek. <laughs> the bomb pops. Right butt cheek is the Stouffer's meatloaf and gravy. Gravy. <laughs> 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 yeah, wow, that's insensitive. You know. Jake, what did you think of Condor? Oh, Condor. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give Condor a very low taste it. Um, I thought it was a very good premise, a very good setup. The twist at the end of the episode was very cool. I thought the whole thing was marred and ruined by one of the weakest lead actors in a series I've ever seen. <laughs> I um, hear you. This cat, Max Irons, I've seen paint dry that had more charisma than this guy. And he What's his name? Max Irons. That's his real name? Yes. His name is well, exciting his, as fuck. That's his stage name. Oh. I mean, may, he may have a, a different name. He may have chose Max Irons after the fact. But Max Irons. He, this show is worth watching for 15 minutes just to see how legitimate bad this guy is. <laughs> I, he, he is just one of the biggest dullards I've seen on my TV in years. And it is just so unfortunate that this is the series that he's in. Because I really do think that this is a high-tasted Tupperware of a premise with a semi-decent lead actor in place of this guy. But this guy just brings the project down so hard. I mean, I don't know what would have to happen for this guy to look shocked or worried or scared or any fucking emotion whatsoever. But, oh, my God. Fuck this guy for ruining this show <laughs> and this good premise. Is he is is he re- any relation to Jeremy Irons? He, he's his son. What? Oh, he is. God. Yeah, no legit. Idea. He is. He is his son. I, I, I hear you, Jake. The, I was not bothered by the performance. I also didn't think it was great. And, and that's where I think I was seeing some of the clunky scenes, you know, that just didn't feel natural. Um, but yeah, he is Jeremy Irons' son. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Worst lead in any TV show I've seen in years. <laughs> I hope that he eventually plays young Alfred. <laughs> Which I also they have, Epics has that show <laughs> called called Pennyworth. Yeah, so check that Keep out. Keep this a, guy away from everything. This guy should retire and become a plumber. Well, I'm starting a fan page cast Max Irons as Reed Richards in the MCU just to fuck oh. with Jake. Puke. I will boycott Fantastic Four if this guy is Reed Richards. <laughs> why, why, uh, why should he become a plumber? I'm just making up some random job that will not be seen on my TV or a movie theater. I can't, wait, can't wait to see him in the live action follow-up to the Mario Brothers. <laughs> that was a plumbing thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. That was dumb. Uh, the One. I watched uh I watched the first two episodes of this new show on Netflix called The One Love and Lies Spiral when a DNA researcher helps discover a way to find the perfect partner and create a bold new matchmaking service and um this reminded me of a show that I reviewed months ago on AMC called Soulmates 
which was an anthology, which kind of dealt with the same exact kind of premise where uh, they have basically through science, they can find your perfect soulmate, you know? So it's like, you got these dating websites like, um, oh, what's, what's the big one? Match.com. There's match. And then there's the Tinder. other. Well, Tinder. I'm uh, talking about the, the ones that try to be respectable. <laughs> the old, the old guy saying what, what that, that old guy. E-Harmony. E-Harmony. Yeah. yeah. So this is like they've taken science and they've been able to kind of like find your perfect match. And it I and it goes to like you got this woman who, you know, her and this other guy have cracked the DNA matchmaking code. And and then you've got other characters that are involved in this. You've got, you know, a woman who's kind of like it, it, the show kind of flirts with this idea that, you know, she's in a, in a great relationship, but she might take the test. She's very curious. And then there's this other woman who's a detective that's actually looking into a death that, uh, um, you know, isn't actually involved with the, the researcher herself and, uh, someone close to the research. And there's, there's a death there and this detective actually takes the test and she's matched with another woman in another country. And then, um, there's a lot going on in this show and I like it a lot better than soulmates, that anthology series. I I'll give it a high taste that I I'm through two episodes and I'm, I'm enjoying the show and it makes you think like, what if this was a thing, you know, like what if science was able to figure this out? Like, w- you know, would you take the test? Think about people that have been married for years. Would they take the test? And, and it's showing that people are getting divorced after taking this test. And, and the woman's saying like, Oh, don't worry. Those divorce rates will go down once more people find their soulmates. And, and it, I think it's very, it's in a very intriguing premise. Greg, what did you think about the one? You know, I, I, I thought the, the premise was really interesting. So I'm through one episode. Um, I was a little, I was struggling a little bit with like the balance between this really cool premise, which feels like sort of like a Black Mirror episode. Every premise like this is compared to Black Mirror. Now, sure. You know, yeah. Especially because it's British, right? Um, and then this murder mystery that kind of hits us. And uh, I was like, what, what's the, what's the balance between like this really interesting sort of premise and a murder mystery? And where's that going? Um, I would give it a good solid taste it. You know, I know pilots are hard. I thought, um, I thought the premise was intriguing and they gave us enough about, um, they, they gave us enough info about the characters to want me to find out where this is going, particularly a couple that appears to be happy, but they give us these little hints that they're not. And then you right. find out by the episode, whether or not one of the two people in this couple decides to mail in, mail in the test. Right. Yeah. Well, in, in the second episode, the one, the, the, like the detective, she finds her perfect match and they're talking to each other, you know, over like Zoom or Skype or whatever. They're, they're chatting with one another. And then she goes out there to meet this woman. Yeah. And, and she's been involved in an accident. I, you know, maybe I saw two episodes because I did still see the that. First episode. Oh, that's the premiere. Okay. Yeah. That actually was my favorite storyline of the. I, 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 yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I thought, yeah. th- I thought she was a great character and I also loved seeing their relationship. It, it, it made me ask questions like how, how is DNA determining the amazing chemistry these two characters have? Well, in the second episode, so in the second episode, she says like, it was so weird because uh, seeing her, in the hospital bed and 
in knowing that we have like this amazing connection and then, you know, she's in a coma and then I, she's like, it's so confusing because like when I kissed her, I got super horny and I was just like, what the fuck? It's like that pheromone analogy. Yeah. First like, yeah. I do have a conspiracy theory though on this show and, and like this is the only non-Marvel and Star Wars show. I it's Mephisto. On. It's not Mephisto. My, my theory is it's all bullshit. It's all, it's all a lie because it's like this idea that you're perfectly matched to someone makes you disarm in, in some way. Like, so I've been curious if it's just a, a hoax. It's a giant hoax. Like a placebo effect. Exactly. A placebo. That's interesting. It's because, you know, in order to like prove that the research and the, you know, what they found out was real, she, she had to break into like this guy's computer to find like all these like different, uh, he had, he had all this like different DNA from people and like their DNA strands, their genetic strands and stuff like that. And she had to, she had to break into this guy's computer to figure all this stuff out to see like who the matches are. And that was super highly illegal what she did. And I don't know. Yeah. That'll be interesting to find out if it's just all bullshit. Oh, that's a lot of drama in season two and three. If you have all these people that uprooted their lives because of what a test told them and find out it was a lie, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, like even the, the, the head of the company, the woman, she's like, she's with her soulmate, you know, they mm-hmm. have a relationship. Um, Jake, what did you think about the one? Yeah. I also watched the first two episodes and I will also give it a very high taste. It, I, I found the story to be very intriguing here. Um, I enjoyed um, the Rebecca character the most in that storyline and the ending of the first episode with what was going on with her and kind of discovering things from her past that may or may not be true just made me have to go and watch the second episode right away. Um, I don't want to really spoil anything out there. I think this is something you should definitely check out, mm. but yeah, there, it, it's very interesting what's going on with the creator of this algorithm and her earlier partners and what happened with that relationship and how that soured and, and what's really going on with this algorithm. And I, I too have leaned towards what Greg is saying in thinking that this potentially could be a bunch of bullshit. Wow. That's cool. I, yeah, I, I hadn't even like considered that, you know, I just took it for like, you know, this is the science. This is what they figured out. I took it for like that black mirror kind of like premise, but hey, what if what if our Rebecca was matched with Tom Cruise? That would be sign. Take my money now. <laughs> Somebody write that movie, and then she has to watch him do his stunts and go on Oprah with him, and he jumps on his couch. Oh my god, that would just break her brain, wouldn't it? Oh my, oh god. my god, that would be amazing. Oh, it'd be so good. That she just... would have to become a Scientologist. <laughs> <laughs> that's a documentary in itself dude that's the show that i want oh my god that's yes yeah, that, i tupperware that show already oh my god that, yeah like, rebecca would definitely become a fate in seven really quickly in scientology <laughs> you know <laughs> oh my god oh. That, oh, that'd be so good. That would be so good. Oh, that's the show that I want. She's so listening bad. to New Kids on the Block and Tom Cruise is making her turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> Step one, turn that shit off, Rebecca. <laughs> turn it off. 
Oh man. <laughs> yeah. It's called Step Two. Put on a goddamn mask. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh the one that's it's called the one it's on netflix super intriguing i think i will finish this one i really I, I i'm enjoying it quite a bit i do think it's better than the uh anthology series which kind of deals with the exact same premise it's called soulmates on amc i think i watched two episodes of soulmates and i just kind of dropped off on that one it's got the guy he's in a up an episode uh from uh it he played uh Pennywise. What's that guy's name? The new one? Skarsgård. Yeah. Skarsgård? Yeah, he's in it. But yeah, I uh, think I'm going to finish this too. It's only eight episodes. Um, I'm just very intrigued to see what the end game is here. Mm-hmm. We're in the end game now, Jake. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Kid 90 on Hulu in the 1990s Soleil Moon Fry. She played Punky Brewster. Carried a video camera with her everywhere she went. David Arquette, uh, Baltazar Getty, Brian Austin Green, Stephen Dorff, Mark Paul Gossler, Danny Boy O'Connor, Heather McComb appear in the film, while Harold Hunter, Justin Pierce, Jenny Lewis, Sarah Gilbert, Charlie Sheen, Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Wahlberg, Corey Feldman, Michael Rappaport, and Jonathan Brandis appear in the film throughout footage shot by Fry. Leonardo DiCaprio served as an executive producer on this. And basically what this is, Kid 90, Soleil uh, Moon Fry spent four years going through footage she had shot, diaries, and voicemails from when she was a teenager in the 1990s. Initially planning to make the film not about herself, she began reaching out to friends from that period, regardless if she had remained friends or drifted apart from them. When deciding to include herself in the film, she asked a consulting editor on the project to interview her in the film. And... Greg, did you start this? Did you start it? I didn't, and I really regret it. It's all right. Uh, Jake, you watch Kid 90, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about this seriously, like, inside look at child stars in the 90s from her point of view and everything that she filmed? What did you think about this, man? Oh, yeah, this was the highest of Tupperwares for me. I, I found this to be just absolutely fascinating and captivating. Um, at, at a lot of points during this, it's very heartbreaking. But, man, it was just so wild that she had all of this footage and went through all of it and, and created this doc. And you could just kind of see how hard of an emotional and personal journey it was for her to relive a lot of these moments. And I don't think she she may not have ever been introspective about a lot of these things that happened to her and that she did until deciding to make this film. I don't think she kind of realized what it would open up inside of her to go back and revisit all of these tapes that she, that she had made. And yeah, I was just blown away by this. Um, the stuff with... Um, what is it? Jonathan Brandis. Jonathan Brandis from uh, he was in the. I, I remember Sequest and he yeah, was Sequest. in he was in Sequest. He was also in the Rodney Dangerfield soccer movie Ladybugs. Oh, he, Ladybugs. Also, I want to point out that um, he was in the original pilot for Good Morning Miss Bliss. Oh, the Saved by the Bell. Which eventually became Saved by the Bell. Jonathan Brandis, Jaleel White, who played Urkel, and Brian Austin Green were all 
in that original pilot and then ended up losing their jobs and getting replaced by Mark Paul Gossler and Dustin Diamond and then you know uh but yeah they were all they were all together on that fucking uh, uh Good Morning Miss Bliss <laughs> pilot which you can watch that pilot on YouTube and I've seen it so yeah you can check that out but yeah Jonathan Brandis who this deals with like some of the child stars that took their lives or died from overdose. But Jonathan Brandis was one of those child stars that took their lives. And I remember it was like shortly, like he killed himself in uh, 2003. And I don't know, like for all the reasons that it was, I'm, you know, I, I can't speak for like why he did it. Um, but I remember it was after, 2003 when the movie Hearts War came out, the Bruce Willis World War II movie. Oh, yeah. Um, he filmed scenes for that movie and all of the scenes that he filmed were cut out of the film. No. And, That's awful. And it destroyed him. It, he was hoping to like make a comeback. It was kind of like it reminded me of like when Jared Leto was in Fight Club. You know, Jared Leto being a child star you know, on my so-called life and then like didn't do a lot after that. And then gets like this real small role in fight club and it, you know, makes it into that movie and then goes on to do bigger projects and stuff. And Jonathan Brandis was, you know, he was fucking the shit back in the day, like had his own movies, you know, with Rodney Dangerfield and, and Sequest, big child star. And then just like, like a lot of child stars that get forgotten. You think about um, Dana Plato and like the spy, the downward spiral of her career to the point where like she's doing porn. She did a porn called Different Strokes. That's I've seen it to the links that she sunk because of like she could not make it back into Hollywood. She couldn't, you know, like she played Kimberly for so many like seven eight years on that show. And then nobody would take her fucking, you know, I remember, I, I listened to the Howard Stern interview with her and she like, she like, she like dies literally days after that Howard Stern interview. Wow. She had a young son too, I believe. It was really tragic. I think she was living in a trailer at that time too. Yeah. Just tough, tough, tough turn in her life. Yeah. Really sad. And well, I mean, this has Jonathan Brandis and, and like, she's, she's thinking back to like all these times where like they reached out to her and maybe she like, she's so young, she didn't pick up that it was a cry for help. She talks about meeting, she, when she moved to New York, Jake, and she met like the, the, the skater kids that were in that movie kids. Um, yeah. Yeah. Justin Pierce being one of them, but like they both ended up dying and uh, super, super tragic. Um, a lot of stuff I didn't like. I remember like when she went through like the breast reduction. I remember that was all over the tabloids. It was oh, all I over, it too. and um, she really gets into that and and a lot of unflattering stuff too. That like I'm really surprised and that she would show like just the stuff with her and her friends like tripping on mushrooms and you know. There's at one point they show her just drinking Jaeger right from a bottle, and then you cut right to her like pitching a just say no to drugs commercial yeah and yeah like so i'm re it's really interesting that she didn't just like sugarcoat her life with you know she directed this she picked these these shots and these scenes yeah. and, and this footage so well and she know. opens up about when she was raped yeah yeah 
and she talks a lot about her relationship with Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. After that, yeah, I didn't know they were together. Charlie Sheen. No idea until this. No, I don't think anybody really knew that Charlie Sheen took her virginity, man. Well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She gets into that. Like Charlie Sheen was the guy that took her virginity. She was 18. He was like 29 at the time. And I guess they're still good friends to this day. I've always been a huge Jane's Addiction fan and, and even later Porno for Pyros. Oh, yeah. I have no idea yeah. how close she was with Perry Farrell. And there's a lot of candid stuff with her talking to Perry, which I found just extremely fascinating. I didn't know. Yeah, this, this- oh, she dated the uh, – the, uh, the dude from House of Pain. Uh, yeah, the dude from House of Pain. Yeah, and, and that's really cool. They go back and kind yeah. of kindle and talk about stuff. Danny Boy O'Connor. And then she ends up meeting him in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he lives now. And, man, you can see those two kind of reconnect there. And that was that was very cool. She recently got divorced. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. This made me want to watch the – I wasn't on the Pop Culture Leftovers episode where you guys reviewed the Pucky Brewster revival. So I don't know what everyone thought about that. But this really made me want to check that out. I – well, I – the year before I did like a whole Pucky Brewster rewatch of that series because I loved that show as a kid. And you can watch all the episodes on Peacock now. Before I was watching – before it was Peacock, I was watching – all the episodes on the NBC app and the revival. I, I loved, I Tupperware the first episode and like the next two episodes, I, I gave it a taste it, but it is one of those shows that like, you know, I'll, I'll come back to and I'll watch it. But, um, this just gave me such a respect for Soleil and what, yeah. what her journey has been and, and what's happened to her through her life that, it made me just want to check out her new project. Like she, yeah. she deserves at least that much for putting just kind of her whole life and heart out there with the, with this footage. Dude, just so many, like, it's crazy to think. And she just comes from like this Hollywood world, but like all her friends talking about like when they'd go over to her house and how she just came from like a great family. It was like the mom was always cooking and they all loved going to her house and spending time with her and her family. Her brother, who they show in this, if you go back and watch the first season of Punky Brewster, he's actually, he was a child actor too. He played uh, a part in the first season where he was a homeless kid and she ended up like, she ended up like leaving Henry, the guy she was living, living with, the old guy she was living with. And, uh, spending, you know, time with, uh, with this homeless kid and living with this homeless kid. And the homeless kid was her actual real life brother in that episode. I was kind of like, whoa, shit, that's, that, that, he's also a child actor. So yeah, I love this. I give it a Tupperware. I thought it was fantastic. It was, it was, you know, just crazy to see like, kind of like all like the different relationships she had too. She had like, uh, uh, her and Jonathan Brandis seemed very close and Mark Wahlberg was calling her. She played like a Mark Wahlberg voicemail message. And, and, um, yeah, she said she like, there's like, there's like all these, uh, she's talking about how she's got a crush on Johnny Depp who she had just met and she had a crush on Charlie Sheen. And then years later she's fucking dating Charlie Sheen. Um, it's, just a, a wild way to grow up. And, and the fact that like when she's talking about like when she got breasts, you know, and she's talking about like, you know, everybody saw her as like this little girl. And then all of a sudden everybody starts when she start when, when her, you know, breasts got into like, you know, 
D D cups, everybody started treating her differently. She's like 15 and everybody's like looking at her differently. 13. 13. Jesus. But yeah, it was, I mean, I can't believe, and they even showed like fucking V like footage of her going into like the operation to get her breast reduction. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, she directed this, she decided it's not like someone used this footage without her approval. Like she submitted and decided to put that out there for everyone to see. Oh, and then I found really brave choices. Uh, Jonathan Brandis's family actually gave her permission to use, to use him in this. So, yeah. I mean, you hear voicemails from him hours before he committed suicide. Is that true? Is, was that hours before? I thought so. I thought she said it was like that night. Those were like the voicemails that. Wow. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't pick that up. Yeah. What did, what did she record on? I'm curious, like all these, all this footage, because in the nineties, that would have been what, like a VHS camcorder. Yeah. She's, it's like all VHS. Yeah. Like a VHS camcorder. Yeah. Those things were hefty. everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She filmed like her and like Brian Austin Green and like a young Robin Thicke going to like Disney World and Robin Thicke is like looks like he's twelve and he's pulling a pack of camels camel <laughs> cigarettes out of his pocket and I'm just like, What the fuck? Yeah, it's hilarious. They they talk about how it's kind of the pre TMZ era too, and like nowadays when someone pulls out a camera, you're like, Oh my god, I better not do anything embarrassing in front of this camera but there was no like knee-jerk aversion to seeing someone videotaping you and it didn't cause anyone to act any differently than they would have already acted it wasn't like anyone was putting on a show for the camera because they no one was just used to that paparazzi nobody's gonna put it well and then like nobody's gonna like put it up as like a tiktok or a youtube video or something yeah upload it to twitter or whatever the fuck Yeah. yeah yeah and so it's not like people are being fake in in front of her camera so she really captured like just all these like real like emotions and incidents and it's just it's it's wild that she chose to do that when she was a teenager and yeah gets to go back like all of us aren't as lucky in that way where we can just actually you know we have to use our memories which you know all these years later aren't the greatest things and you can't actually just sit there and watch the footage of the mistakes you made in life and be introspective about it the way she was able to. Yeah, this is phenomenal. Greg, you got to watch this. I think you'd love it. Yeah, it's uh, called Kid 90 and it's on Hulu. It's streaming on Hulu. So uh, definitely watch this one. I give it the, like, like Jake said, the highest of Tupperwares. Final thing for Good Pop, Bad Pop that I want to... Can we take a break? Listen to you. Listen to this guy. <laughs> got two things oh, left. I was busted in before this show. I'm doing like the dance. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Well, let me tell you something, brother. You should head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon shopping link for all your shopping needs. Ooh, yeah. The cream of the crop always rise to the top, dig it? Speaking of cream, you can probably buy it on Amazon. Not 100% sure. Yeah. To all my little Hulkamaniacs, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and you will never go wrong, brother. And listen, dude, you can buy those vitamins through the Amazon shopping link on popcultureleftovers.com. Ooh, yeah. I just bought a neon orange cowboy hat. 
in the curtain of Slim Jims. Step into a Slim Jim. Head on over to popcultureleftovers.com now and use the link. Because what you going to do, brother, when Pop Culture Leftovers runs wild on you? All right, we're back. I check my email on break, and I get, like, Reddit updates and stuff like that, stuff that, that like, I'm interested on Reddit. They just kind of send it to me. And I guess Charles Murphy from multi uh, Murphy's Multiverse. I think that's his site, Murphy's Multiverse. I think that's what it's called. Somebody posted in the Marvel Studios spoilers thread, Charles Murphy on his private Discord... WandaVision had a deleted post credit scene. We all know about, you guys have heard about the deleted scene where like the kids confront the demon in the basement. Right. They were trying to steal the dark hold, right? Yeah. They're trying to steal the dark hold and like the, what was it? Fucking senior scratchy or whatever turns into a demon or some shit. Mm -hmm. But Charles Murphy on his private discord, WandaVision had a deleted post credit scene, which showed that Ralph Boner was Wu's witness protection person. Oh, that would have been nice. Wow. I don't know if it's true. I mean, I'm just, this is what I'm reading. And somebody says, have you heard anything about the missing scene with Ralph? And this is like copied and pasted. Like they took a screenshot of this and fucking threw it on this thread. Have you heard anything about the missing scene with Ralph? And he goes, don't know why it came out. It was Wu chasing his missing person and Ralph hiding. And then somebody in the comments says, and Shackman, referring to Matt Shackman, the director, keeps refusing to comment on the identity of the witness. And then there's a Twitter link attached here. Hold on. Jimmy Woo's missing person is still coming to the MCU. Hold on. I'm going to play this. This is from a comicbook.com Marvel podcast called Phase Zero. I don't know. Hold on. Say that like Westview doesn't exist and that they are from from Eastview. Is that really just a byproduct of being potentially too close to the hex and the magic affecting that? But also, too, uh, Jimmy also mentions that he is there chasing down a missing persons report, and I don't know as if that ever paid out. And so, is that something that is still a question that is at large kind of thing, or is that something that just ended up on the cutting room floor? Got it. Um, well, yes. In terms of Nobody knowing that Westview exists. Westview does exist. Right. Um, and that's why Jimmy's there, obviously. But the, uh, the people in the environment around it have forgotten it. It's okay. Because Wanda has, has made it so. She's created a, a kind of black hole there so she can uh, be uninterrupted and, and people won't find their way in too much. Um, so that's what that was. And then in terms of the missing person, yeah, there, there's an answer for that. And, uh, you know, hang in there. I'll <laughs> take <laughs> that up. Okay. Cops say that like. All right. So fuck. That's still coming. So like that's not over with yet. I gotta wonder where. I mean, it's, I'm I'm excited, but I thought we heard that there's no. It's not like Wandavision season two. You know. Well, but I, there's yeah. some other show. Yeah, yeah, like Feige is not. He's very mum on that, right? Like I. <laughs> I think he did do an interview, correct, about WandaVision season two and the possibilities? What I recall is yeah. him saying something along the lines of, 
they don't conceive these as like multi-season plans all the sure. time. Like some yes, maybe some no. And I thought WandaVision was just WandaVision. It makes sense. I mean, for me to think like there's going to be a WandaVision season two with it basically following up with the events of WandaVision, it just didn't make sense to me because we're getting another movie here, which could totally change everything, you know, going forward with the character of Wanda to where like, a WandaVision season two, it would, I mean, it, I don't know if you could even call it WandaVision season two right. at that point. Cause like, we don't yeah, know it what's happening. Make any sense. We don't know what's happening with white yeah. vision. We don't know. We, I mean, it could be called just Scarlet Witch at that point. If they do follow up with, you know, her character. Yeah. You must All have the talk to call of it Scarlet being Witch. a, uh, Dr. Strange kind of prequel too. kind of took that out of my head that they would have a season two of this show. But where would you, uh, Greg, you gotta, where would you address this as far as like who, you know, Ralph Boner and the fucking missing persons and like, if that's coming back, where does that come up? And it, okay, here's the thing. I kept thinking to myself when these shows come out that like Marvel is going to be making these shows to where like you have to watch these shows in order to understand the next movie. I kind of like at first I was like, ah, they're not going to do that. And then I was like, no, no, they're assuming everybody's watching this shit. Just like they assumed everybody watched Infinity War before they watched Endgame or whatever. But they're not doing that. Like, I think like once we get into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, even if you didn't watch WandaVision, I think you're going to be able to understand what is going on in that movie. I don't I agree. I agree. It'll enhance it if you saw this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they'll, they'll do a good job of quickly catching you up with some dialogue. But yes. where? But where do we find out about this missing person? Like that's well, got to be in a future Disney Plus series. Is it going to be in the Jimmy Woo possible series that they've been pitching? Um, I mean, is it in a future installment of like whatever Wanda's doing next in this universe? I, I mean, I'm trying to figure all this out. It's just a fun guess, but I, it feels like of what we know right now, that major disclaimer of what we know right now, the most likely place would be Secret Invasion. That that's the most likely place in which we'd see Jimmy Woo again because now he's got connections to Sword. And when you talk about missing persons, you could see some scroll stuff having to do with that maybe. okay it's just again like i would love to see a jimmy Wu uh tv show but uh, that I, I can't think of another candidate besides secret invasion oh god yeah oh man maybe the reason they pulled the deleted scene was because they they figured out where they did want to reveal that idea of who that person was do you think that we'll see we'll see a scene of like a character that we're following in Secret Invasion, and then all of a sudden they come in contact with a exact same version of themselves, and we find out like the one we've been following is a scroll, and we're just like, "What the fuck?" Oh yeah, that's that's kind of the trick they very much should do. I think Reddit needs to get prepared for Secret Invasion because oh wow yeah, with, with how crazy we were all going with Wandavision theories, the Secret Invasion theories are going to be ten times more crazy. <laughs> oh, everybody dude. in yeah. their, their 
pet hamster is going to be a scroll. Everybody, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's get back to, I, I thought that was interesting though. That fucking Charles Murphy thing where he said, like we'd all heard about the one deleted scene, but man, I did not hear about a second Ralph Boner deleted scene where he's the missing, you know, protection guy, which it makes sense. I've even kind of theorized that like he could be that guy and the missing, you know what I mean? So yeah, that makes sense. Um, cherry. We, uh, we all watch cherry. Did we all watch cherry on Apple plus? Mm-hmm. Apple TV plus cherry follows the wild journey of a disenfranchised young man from Ohio who meets the love of his life only to risk losing her through a series of bad decisions and challenging life circumstances inspired by the best-selling novel of the same name by Nico Walker. Cherry features Tom Holland in the title role as an unhinged character who drifts from dropping out of college to serving in Iraq as an army medic and is only anchored by his one true love, Emily, played by Sierra Bravo. We all remember her from Wayne. When Cherry returns home, a war hero, he battles the demons of undiagnosed PTSD and spirals into drug addiction, surrounding himself with a menagerie of depraved misfits. Draining his finances, Cherry turns to bank robbing to fund his addiction, shattering his relationship with Emily along the way. Brought to the screen in bold, gritty fashion by visionary directors Anthony and Joe Russo, Cherry is a darkly humorous, unflinching, coming-of-age story of a man on a universal quest for purpose and human connection. And, uh, yeah, this dropped this, – this was in theaters, but, like, it was not even playing anywhere close to me. And so I had to wait for this one to drop on Apple TV+. Plus. And a few weeks ago, I asked, was like, is this the sci-fi movie or the drug addiction movie? And I confused it with Chaos Walking, which was the sci-fi movie. This is the drug addiction movie. Um, I, uh, two hours and 20 minutes long. Very, it's a long movie. Um, I think it's very good. It, it really held my attention. Throughout the entire movie, um, I think it's kind of like it reminds me like of it's almost like it's trying to be like the new Born on the Fourth of July with Tom Cruise in a lot of ways. I don't know if you guys are good. Okay, you do mm-hmm. see that. Okay, yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, um, very much so. I feel like it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's kind of like an updated version instead of like it being like the Vietnam War with Tom Cruise. This is, you know, um, you know, it's what, what, what was going on in Iraq and, and things like that. So, you know, and dealing with PTSD and, and, you know, coming back from the war. Um, but I don't think it's as good as that Oliver Stone movie. And I don't think that Tom Holland is as good as Tom Cruise in Born on the Fourth of July. But I think the Russos and Tom Holland are very good in this movie. I'll give it a high taste it. I'll give it a high taste it. I, I, um, We'll unpack it a little bit. We'll talk about it a little bit. But I want to know what you guys thought about Cherry. I, I thought it was very good, and I'm not trying to. T- I'm not trying to take anything away from this movie. 
I thought it was very good. I just don't, you know, if I, if I'm making the comparison to born on the 4th of July, yeah, I'm going to compare it directly to that Oliver Stone movie. And I don't think it, it is, I don't think it's as good. And I don't think like the performance by Tom Holland is as impactful as the performance of Tom Cruise in that movie. Born on the 4th of July, like, I, th- I, I think that's a phenomenal movie. I think it is a phenomenal film. And it, I want to know, yeah, I just want to know what you guys thought. What did you guys think about Cherry, Greg? I really saw this as three movies. You know, normally a movie is sort of like three-act structure, right? Act one, act two, act three. This was sort of three movies. Act one is a love story. Act two is a war movie. Act three is like a drug addiction crime. I don't know what else to call it. Yeah. Um, I found the love story to be really touching. I, I I thought it captured the simplicity of love at 20 or 19 really effectively. I, I thought Sierra Bravo's performance was wonderful in this movie. I felt the same. I thought Tom Holland was good. I thought Sierra Bravo was really wonderful. Um, to me, the secret star of this film is actually, actually Henry Jackman, uh, who composed the score. A very understated score. I, I really looked up his filmography to see what else he had done. Kong Skull Island, X-Men First Class, Captain America the Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, all really big sort of boisterous scores. This, I, I, I thought it was a Trent Reznor score until I looked him up. It was just very sort of subtle and understated, but really, really effective. Oh, they had like, um, it was, it was odd at times for me. They had like this kind of like synthy kind of like 80s. Uh, yep, yeah, definitely unusual. It right? was, it was, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the length of the movie was a little bit challenging, particularly as we got to the end. It's unfortunate that the most depressing part of the film is the last, you know, 30 minutes as they're kind of going deeper and deeper into their, into their drug abuse. I, I would give this overall a high tasted. I mean, the comparison to Born on the Fourth of July is fair. That's sort of a classic. This is not a classic. It's it's a good solid movie. I was actually really surprised. I never look at Rotten Tomatoes until after I see a film. Not not doing well on Rotten. Really? Tomatoes. I didn't. I don't even yeah. know. I don't even know. I yeah. think it was at thirty something percent yesterday. Shit. But I, I just i I think this is a very good movie with a very um, some very bold direction choices. The the most the the one that stands out the most is the asshole cam, which you see in this movie. You see a view from inside somebody's asshole. Um, but that's not why I think this is worth seeing. I think it's worth seeing because of um, Sierra Bravo's performance and you know again just a really different approach and on um, one three movies in one essentially. Yeah. I don't know. I mean I like the way that they portrayed like the guys in the military in this one when he does. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, it's, it's, it's pretty dead on. I mean, I was in the, I I was in the military, you know, and I, I went through, I, I never was sent, you know, overseas or anything like that, but I was in the military. I went through basic training and all that stuff. And I've been around my share of drill sergeants. I got smoked by drill sergeants and, and, uh, you know, fucking, <laughs> I've done my share of, you know, running and, and, uh, going through, you know, shooting the M16 and I've thrown grenades and I fucking, um, oh God, (laughs) throwing a grenade when I had to, when I had to, we had to throw three grenades 
it was the most terrifying thing I'd ever done. <laughs> oh my bad. Um, because you're literally, you're holding something in your hand that you could, it could fucking like, what if there was something wrong with it and it blew up? I get, it could fucking, it could just blow up. I remember we're, we're behind, um, like this, uh, like bulletproof plexiglass and we're, they're, they're teaching us, they're showing us how, to throw the grenade and how you're supposed to, when you throw it, you're supposed to drop down to like one knee and put your head down. And when I fucking threw the grenade, I dropped, I just like dropped down. I like fell down like face first on the ground. I just like, because I was so terrified that I was holding something in my hand that could take my life at any moment. And like the drill sergeant like picked me up, like physically picked me up with one hand and pulled me back up and said, next time you throw it, do not drop to the ground like you did there. <laughs> Everything he taught me just went out the window. When I threw that thing, I just like dropped to the ground and didn't like, I didn't land on like one knee. You know, I just dropped to the ground. It's, it's so fucking terrifying. <laughs> a, a lot, I, it brought back a lot of memories watching like the basic training stuff when I saw this movie and like the way that the guys were talking and the drill sergeants were talking in the movie was pretty accurate. And like, it's offensive. Like people will watch this and be like, I can't believe they talk this way. That's, that's how military men talk. That's just how it is. They're being, they're, they're being authentic. That's, that's how it is. That's, that's really how it is. And so, um, I, I, uh, Jake, what did you think about this? Yeah, I liked it more than you guys, I think. This was a Tupperware for me. I, I thought the story was really good. I thought the first act was a little bit slow, but the second and the third acts were so strong, it elevated it to a Tupperware for me. Um, I really, really enjoyed the cinematography in this movie and a lot of the choices they made with the camera. A lot of really interesting drone shots and overhead shots that they did that I thought were really cool. A lot of, like unique stuff with um, text and words. I I just didn't, I didn't think, I didn't think that that fit. Like they, they did. I don't think that it fit with the movie. It just felt like it was, it felt like it was out of place when they did it. I thought it was clever at first. Like when they'd show like, you know, he's going to the bank and he gets the bank statement and it just says the bank. And it's like the way he remembers it. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't remember it being called like whatever bank it was. Or like when he went to the bank and you saw the outside of the bank and it said shitty bank or I, I can't remember. They had, yeah, I, I really like that. Over, I, I like yeah. that bank fucks America. Like, yeah. He I, was the narrator. Yeah. Yes. It's kind of like the touches that he added. And there were like moments where he broke the fourth wall and would just turn and start talking to the audience that I thought was really fascinating. And I really, I really liked those choices. I liked the choice to never it just, the, 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 the movie didn't do that the whole time. So that, so when it did it, it just didn't fit with like the entire movie for me. Like it chose when and when it wasn't going to break the fourth wall. I get yeah, that. It, I get that. I thought it was just the right amount for my taste, though. Okay. I, like a little bit too much of that, and I, that would have been more annoying to me than just the, the little dab that they gave us. I thought it was just perfect. Um, I liked the choice to never like show Black Mask in focus. I thought that was a really interesting filmmaking choice. It was always very out of focus shots of that character. And even the voice and, sounded like it was, you know, yeah. You know, 
Yeah, like they they had done something with the voice. Like you didn't even hear like the real voice of the character. Like when you're watching like Dateline and somebody wants to be anonymous and they do that weird thing with their voice, you know? Exactly, exactly. I I thought that was a really bold choice and I liked that a lot. The character never met or saw that character well so that's how it was interpreted for us the audience and i I thought that was really cool yeah i I really enjoyed this i was on the edge of my seat during the uh final bank robbery sequence and just couldn't wait to find out what was going to happen when we uh flash forward to the present day and to see how it was all going to end up so i agree i I mean i think i i really i do this movie held my attention i just think that we're looking at a very i think we got a very young Tom Holland, who I don't think was ready for this. He did a great job, but I don't, I can't put him up there with like, I can't put him up there with Leo or Tom Cruise just yet, in my opinion. I think like, he's gonna get there. I think he's gonna work at it. He's really gonna work at it, and I hope he gets more roles like this. I just didn't see him. I think he's stronger than Leo when Leo was the age he's at. Uh, go back and watch Basketball Diaries, man. Yeah, yeah, I've seen Basketball Diaries before. Yeah, and I think, like, as far as, like, showing a character recovering from heroin addiction, fucking Leo nailed it, man. That scene of him in the bathroom, locked in the bathroom with Ernie Hudson fucking not... <laughs> dude, he's, you know, like, that is, that is powerful. That is super powerful. That was an amazing performance by Leo. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really dug this movie, um... I know you guys did too. You obviously didn't hate mm-hmm. it, but but I liked yeah, it a lot. I liked it I a lot. I really loved it. I, I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. And um, usually two hours twenty minutes is kind of a drag for me. And I I, I thought the time just flew by. What did you guys think of the epilogue? I'm curious. You mentioned it, Jake. I loved it. What do you think? I, I don't want to say what happened. Obviously. I don't want to say what happens either. It's funny because you guys might have seen something I didn't. Um, it felt, it struck me as like a reaction to test screenings. Like people felt uncomfortable with the original ending, which is the end of act three. And they add this thing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes yeah. you feel a little less uncomfortable about what you've just seen. Right. But that's just my, that's my guess. I, like I have no idea. Um, I, again, I'm not going to spoil anything. Tom Holland does something at the end of the movie to make the situation they're in better. And I don't know if maybe people were missing that in at the end of act three. And then they gave us this epilogue to help us really understand. But I, I, I thought the epilogue was a little flat to me. And again, this is a movie that I'm calling a high tasted. I really, I really quite enjoyed it. It's yeah. just a nitpick. I want to know how the fuck his drug dealer got shot. Like I've been trying to piece yeah. that together. Since well, we heard the gun. Know. We heard the gunshot. We just don't know where that came from, right? Yeah. Did he do it to himself by accident? Was Was he shot by a cop while he was running away? I think it was. I think it was a police officer that shot him. But yeah, okay. it was. It was so like we heard the gunshot, and that's it. Yeah, and again, I thought that like that was a really bold choice. Like it's something that I've thought about since seeing the movie. Like, where, where did that bullet even come from? And I thought that was a really strong Oh, and scene. I thought Obviously, the guy that played Pills and Coke was fucking great. He yeah. was well, – talk about it like a weird Seth Rogen clone, right? Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. I thought he was fantastic he too. He was good. Thomas Lennon took me out of this movie. I love Thomas Lennon. I love seeing him in Reno 911. But like when he's playing like that doctor, I was just like, why? 
but just get a regular, just get another actor in there instead of Thomas Lennon. Like I love Thomas Lennon. It just, I don't know. It, that, <laughs> that didn't work for me. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with that actor. So I did, I didn't even notice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess if you're like, you know, watching Reno 911 weekly, like I used to, that I don't know, it just kind of stuck out to me. It just felt, it took, it, it was weird. It was a weird moment seeing Thomas Lennon there. I did like it when he was talking about like how it was like the one guy's job to like basically check their assholes. And like, that's fucking, I remember like going through those lines, you know, before I went to basic training and there was literally like one guy's job was to fucking check your fucking prostate or check your, and then, then there's another guy that fucking like, you know, had to fucking like check your balls and shit. It was, it was fucked up. I was like, Mark, that your balls look like chicken skin at that time. Did that come up? No, it never came up. It never came up, but it was so fucking weird. It was so weird. It was just like, it was like they had just all of us guys lined up and like this one guy would just like fucking like, you know, fucking put his hands on like this one part of our balls. And then you would walk out of the room. That was like the, the ball fondling room. It was fucked. That was a hernia check, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was fucked up, man. It was, I left that room and I was like, okay, now I can die knowing that I had some random dude fucking feeling my balls. That was great. <laughs> that fuck. I still remember that. That was fucked up. All these different lines they have you in. There's one guy whose job is rub your balls. Check your balls. Do they really give you that many shots? Like, did you experience that? Too? I got a lot of shots. Yes, absolutely. A lot of shots, man. A lot of shots. You know, any, you know, tetanus, everything. You got, you got a ton of shots. I thought makeup did a really good job. Um, it was hard to believe that these were 23 year olds, the way they looked once they got really deep down the heroin well. Yeah. It's a fucked up drug, man. I used to work with a guy that was fucking addicted to heroin and like i think he had like this scar on his fucking neck and it was from um he couldn't get a vein to pop up in his arm or in his leg and all this shit so he fucking that there's a vein in your neck and he fucking like he like burned himself and shit he had like this scar on his neck from when he tried to shoot up in his neck oh my god it's a fucked up drug man it makes you do some crazy shit and like you know it when when Sierra Bravo's character is talking about how he sh- how she shit herself, I was just like, oh my god, yeah, yeah. They they give you a pretty clear sense of how bad it can get. Yeah, you know, there's one point in which you see her shitting in the bathtub. You know, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's a great movie, Jake. It's a great movie. I I honestly feel like. Um, Tom Holland is, he's, he's gonna get, he's gonna get so much better. He's gonna get so much, there's a lot of promise in this guy. Oh, I, I agree with that, that he will get better. He's gonna yeah, get better. I, I, I just don't think that he's like, he's, he's not quite there yet for me. Um, but I think he's gonna get better, man. And like this movie, it's like, uh, like, it's, hu- I think this movie's huge for him. This movie's huge for him. It's a, uh, you know, we're gonna look back on this one just like, you know, like Tom Cruise, I don't think Tom, Tom Cruise didn't win shit for the born on the 4th of July, but I still, no. it's a fucking great. And he was nominated for best actor. I'd have great, to look it up. But. It's a fucking great movie though. It's still yeah. a good movie. 
But yeah, you guys ready to jump into the news? Let's yeah, do it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Pop culture leftovers news. I got Mortal Kombat news from Dark Horizons here. Uh, fucking Greg, are you looking forward to this Mortal Kombat movie? Yeah, I have the same concern that you do about this Cole char- this main character, but I thought the trailer looked awesome. It's exactly what I want. And again, you know, I'm not here. I'm, I I want to go back to the theater. I'm also kind of happy I can just watch this one at home rather than not see it at all. So I'm psyched to um, watch it on HBO Max in, what, like six weeks, something like that. Yeah, it's in April. I, I'm going to be seeing this one in the theater, and I'm also going to be watching the new King Kong movie, King mm-hmm. Kong Godzilla. I'm going to be seeing that in the theater. They just... You can get IMAX tickets right now. They just, uh, they put those on sale yesterday. I cannot wait, but I'm gonna, I, I gotta see, the, I gotta see these in the theater. I saw that first Mortal Kombat movie in the theater three times. And I know it has detractors, but man, Jake, I fucking love that movie going back to night. What was it? 1990. I loved it too. Was it 1994 or five? It was 95. I love that movie. Yeah, it was 95. I loved that movie. The one with Christopher Lambert as Raiden? Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love that movie. I don't give a fuck. I still fucking love that movie. The 1995 film adaptation of the Mortal Kombat video game remains one of the few that works. A key reason for that is the movie's propulsive soundtrack, in particular the title t- track of Techno Syndrome, created by a pair of Belgian electronic musicians two years earlier was used heavily in the film's marketing and the game's home console release around the same time. As a result, that track has been burned into the memory of a whole generation. That is so fucking true. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now it has been confirmed the upcoming film reboot of the franchise will be using that theme song. In fact, while speaking with Collider, director Simon McQuoid revealed that one of the first questions of the new film's composer, Benjamin Wallfish was about the incorporation of the existing themes. He goes on to say, the music in Mortal Kombat is such a big part of it. The word I use a lot, one of the things we've been talking about all through development is respect for the fans and respect for the characters and respect for the canon of the game. So the execution ultimately takes that into consideration from the absolute bedrock and really listening to and understanding the fans and understanding a broader audience and thinking of all those things. So Wallfish came in knowing that, and then we started talking about the respect for the fans and the material. And he said, do you think there's anything we can do with the distinct music? And I said, well, yeah, I think through this whole process, what we're doing here is we're taking material that's well-known and we're moving it and we're elevating it. We're taking it seriously, very seriously. doesn't mean there's not comedy and levity through the film. And we're really considering it, and we are making sure it's really thought through. So he said, well, I think it'll work, and I've done a demo track. Do you want to hear it? In fact, that demo track was so good that when McCoy started talking to prospective actors, he played that bit of music for them to help with his pitch, and, quote, they knew exactly the movie we were making. (laughs) Meanwhile, producer Todd Garner recently spoke with comicbook.com about, oh yeah, let's get, okay, let's talk about the music though. That, seriously, that is music to my fucking ears because that song 
goes hand in hand with Mortal Kombat. That makes me feel good that we're going to get that music back in this movie. Agreed. It, you would feel its absence, like just absolutely feel its absence. It, it's almost like one of the characters of the movie. It was so iconic to that movie. Like when you think about I know I'm comparing this. This is so weird. Mortal Kombat music, but I'm going to compare it with John Williams' score in Superman. I was going to make the exact same comparison. Dude. That is Superman, bro. I felt I felt it missing in Man of Steel, honestly. Uh, I, I I love what Hans Zimmer did, but yes, I mean it is missing. It is missing, man. I fucking love that, and you know to hear that music with Cavill being able to, you know, be the Superman we've always wanted him to be. That would be fucking awesome. But that's what we're, that's, dude. We're gonna get that with Mortal Kombat at least. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait to hear it in all of its updated glory. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it either. It's funny because if it that music is so quintessentially 90s, I just am really intrigued with what does a modern version of that sound like? It's, it's like I'm not I'm not making fun of it, but it's sort of like if somebody was like, I've got a modern take on Marky Mark's Good Vibrations. I've got to hear what the hell that sounds like. I don't. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like something that sounds so of the time. Sure. You know what I mean, yeah. so of the time that it's from. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely intrigued and would love to hear it. I yeah. hope it's not just in the credits either. You know, I hope right. it's uh, during it's fights in, and shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want to hear it during a fucking fight, man. I want to hear it during a fight, a fight that we're ready for. And it's like, man, like. How excited are we going to be? I love Louis Tan. I think Louis Tan is fucking great. But like, how excited are you for Louis Tan playing this Cole character? I zero percent. Yeah, I'm at zero percent unless there's uh, like um, there's a rumor that you guys discussed recently. That's uh, in my opinion, it has to be true, and I don't even want to repeat it because it's a huge spoiler. If there's some logical role that in the lore that he plays, I'm okay with it. If it's just the random point of view character, then it's it's totally – I'm not looking forward to it. Right. Yeah, I'm very open-minded. Like I, I can be won over. I could be a big Cole fan by the end of it. But just there's so many iconic and awesome characters from the series that to have a main character be just some noob, it, it definitely – they're going to have to win me over. I'm going to go in with 0% excitement, but I'm willing to come out just being completely jacked by whatever they do. But yeah. we'll see. We shall see. Uh, meanwhile, producer Todd Garner recently spoke with comicbook.com about one of the most anticipated elements of the film, the fatalities. Garner has warned fans not to get their hopes up too high as some of the most ridiculously graphic violence from the games can't be carried over to the screen. Quote, first of all, it's CG characters, so it's not real. So obviously the bar being raised for the violence. I'm under the restrictions of the Motion Picture Association of America, so I have to live inside those rules. So we're going to do as much as we can, and that would be what it's going to definitely be R-rated, definitely be violent. That's crazy shit you do in the games. I don't know if you really want to see uh, Ludi Lin get his head ripped off. I, I kind of do. I kind of want to see. Yeah, I, I do want to see that. 
<laughs> while, while they might not be as extreme, it doesn't mean it's not going to get graphic. McCoy has previously indicated that fatalities were always in the film from the get-go. Everyone wanted them, including the studio. He tells Cinema Blend that there, quote, were multiple drums of fake blood sitting around on the set and used in the film, which comes to theaters and HBO Max on April 16th. Well, here's here's the question. That, I mean, if this thing's successful, what are the odds that we get an unrated cut of it? High, but like a hundred, a hundred and ten percent. It's gonna happen. But I mean, if it's moderately successful, we're getting fatalities on HBO Max in six months or seven months or something like that. Yeah, but like at that point, like man, just make your unrated cut your theatrical cut. I get it. Well, that's the problem. Then it's it's losing the ticket for because what is it like NC? Like if it's NC seventeen, certain chains won't carry it. I guess so. That's probably just a financial decision that they have to make. You know. Yeah. What do you think, Jake? Do you think that they should just fucking go all out because they're, yeah, they're, they're dropping it? Combat, and I don't, I don't buy this bullshit that oh, we have to keep within the confines of the R rating. I, the R rating is pretty strong. No one rates shit fucking NC seventeen anymore. The shit's not getting rated X. We can see someone's head get ripped off with the spinal cord. Still, think about all the Saw movies. But, yeah, I don't. That's a cop-out fucking answer and kind of disappointing to hear, honestly. I, I, I think they can do all the stuff that happens. I don't think there's anything that happens in the video game that the MPAA would be like, oh, no, this movie can't be released. Oh, I, That's a bunch of bullshit. It sounds like backpedaling. Watch one episode of The Walking Dead. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. so, there's so much. And that shit's on TV. It's on TV, and it. there's brains and gore and all this shit. Yeah. Yeah, I, that answer is really frustrating to me. And, and honestly, for the first time, I'm a little bit more worried about this movie hearing that kind of backpedaling bullshit excuse of an answer. I didn't like what he said either. I don't like that quote. What he, he's like, don't, you know, what did he say? What was his quote here? He's like, don't get, uh, yeah, Garner has warned fans not to get their hopes up too high. As some of the most ridiculously graphic violence from the games ha- uh, can't be carried over to the screen, uh, and my question is why? <laughs> yeah, the bullshit it can. <laughs> yeah, you know what though? If you think about the games themselves, I mean, so many of as the games progress, the fatalities get more and more violent. They do, you know, like, but like, yeah, it's, like it's, Mortal it's, Kombat it's, one and two, heads are ripped off, limbs are ripped off, people explode. But it's, it's to the point where it's almost comical, isn't it? A little bit. It's a little comical. And then, you know, like the later games, I've played a few of them. You see people get cut in half and you see the path. But his fucking quote here is, I don't know if you really want to see Ludi Lin get his head ripped off. I fucking saw Psycho Gorman rip off two guys' heads in the fucking, in that movie. And it's like, yeah. That's just ripping heads off. Like we that's... got somebody decapitated in a PG Star Wars movie. Let's be honest, right? You know, yeah, you could make that work. Yeah. yeah, and the biggest audience for this movie are fans of Mortal Kombat, and those aren't going to be a bunch of fucking squeamish moms. They're going to be people that are expecting to see these fucking fatalities. This isn't fucking uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, right? Like, yeah, this is fucking Mortal Kombat. Mortal fatalities are part of the game. Yeah, and if they were making it PG-13, I would understand this, like, backpedaling bullshit answer. But the fact that we already know it's an R-rated movie, why why are you saying shit like this? Dude, fucking, if they showed us some of the more graphic fatalities that we've gotten in later games, 
people would lose their minds and they would we would have fun doing it and watching it because yeah it is over the top and we're come on come on this isn't fucking the 1990s where we're worried about moms fucking getting upset over this shit man come on give us the mortal Kombat movie that we want stop backpedaling on this bullshit and i've seen the fatalities from the last three or four games i, I can't think of a single one that would fit that criteria where it's like, oh, the MPAA would ban you from seeing that. Have you seen I, the Saw movie in the last yeah, Come on. Get the fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah. Mm, makes no fucking sense. Uh, yeah. I'm not too happy with these quotes either, Jake. I'm looking forward to the movie and I hope it's awesome. But, man, I hope that if they don't fucking give us the fatalities that we're wanting to see, I hope they learn from that, man. And I hope that they're fucking able to take care of that in the sequel because – that's that that's disheartening dude you know it's interesting too because the core audience for this movie like do do 17 and 18 year old kids play mortal kombat like i know that there are newer mortal kombat games obviously but it seems to me like the core audience for this movie is in their 40s right because we're the ones who really grew up hardcore on this game so is it just a misguided executive saying we've got to we can't risk losing the 18 year old ticket money and people going bananas over the I, I don't know maybe they fucking hired the wrong guy too maybe mccoy maybe mccoy isn't the guy to fucking do this shit you got the right actors we're all excited about seeing these guys like joe taslam we're all excited about seeing these actors take over these roles because they fucking did some great casting maybe it's not it's not the casting maybe it's the fucking guy in charge of directing this shit yeah, I mean, violence is what made this game. Like, the, the first game is some of the most clunkiest controls for a fighting game ever. Like, and I, I'll, I'll give them this. Like, they become really great fighters later on. But that first game, the, the fatalities are the game. Like, every single character does the same uppercut and, like, sweep off the leg move. They're all basically the same fucking engine, which is the, couple like special moves that each character has yeah and we were blown away special moves we were go ahead brian well we were blown away that they were using like real actors like we got a taste of it in that movie in that game pit fighter and then they took pit Pit fighter Fighter was a shit game though unfortunately you know like it looked cool but the game was shit i fucking (laughs) very much the same way like yeah exactly right like the seeing the real people is part of the charm but it's also what made the control so fucking clunky yeah 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 Yeah, i mean this is you might not remember this but they did a version of street fighter based on the movie using oh i remember actors like john claude yeah um but you're right you know of the first three Mortal Kombat games, which are sort of the classic ones, because I think Mortal Kombat 4 was the first one to use 3D graphics. Correct. Mortal Kombat 1 is by far the clunkiest. To me, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 plays very, very well. That's um, that's my that's favorite Mortal Kombat game. Yeah, Ultimate MK3 is awesome. I have the um, I have a Mortal Kombat, like the at-home arcade one-up machine here, and I usually play more Ultimate MC- MK3. That's the one I play, you know. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, one's cool for like nostalgia reasons, but it's one yeah. clunky fucking fighter. God damn one's it. One's cool when I have friends over because it's the only game they remember how to do the moves on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I can't yeah. play them in Mortal Kombat 3. I play them in Mortal Kombat 1. Yeah. Oh, God. Please be good. That's all I got to say. Come, I hope that he's downplaying it and we get fucking super fucking violence in this movie. And 
if if you think Jake, think of the raid movies for crying out loud. How violent the raid movies are. Greg, have you seen the raid? Absolutely. I own the raid uh, one and two. Yep. So do I. I own them both on Blu-ray. I fucking love those movies. Super fucking violent, man. And ugh, if they can't fucking get it right in Mortal Kombat, which is Jesus Christ, give us give us what we want. Please give us what we want. I love the charm of the first movie. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, but like Mortal Kombat is like it, it it's it's all about the violence. Give it to me. Give it to we're ready. We are ready as an audience. Give it to me and make it over the fucking top. Yes. That's the whole fucking point. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I honestly dude, I feel like I feel like Sam Raimi should have stepped in on this movie because I think he would have given us that oh, over wow. the, You know what I mean? Or even like Peter Jackson from twenty five years ago and he's yeah. dead alive, bad taste days, you know? Yeah. Like, they would have given it oh to us, God. man. Uh Marvel News, let's jump into Marvel News. That's all I got for news this week. Marvel News. All right. Now that WandaVision is over, there's all this news coming out about the show. I got this from avclub.com. Disney plus WandaVision is over with the cottage industry of WandaVision theories drying up along with it. But a whole new subgenre of WandaVision, WandaVision discussions has risen up to fill the hex-shaped hole in our hearts. The please explain WandaVision to us interview format. Earlier this week, Series creator Matt Shackman sat down with Kevin Smith to talk about what was going on with Agatha Harkness, Bunny, revealing that there was a deleted scene where it turned out, uh, where it turned into a demon. And now head writer Jack Schaefer has given some reveals of her own to the Hollywood Reporter, including an explanation of for why Evan Peters was cast as the fake version of Pietro and how Disney's PR machine inadvertently spoiled what the writers thought was going to be a really cool twist. I don't care what they fucking say about Evan Peters being cast as Pietro. It's a fucking troll and it's bullshit. Yeah, I alluded to my opinion on this earlier in the podcast. How fucking naive can you be? I don't buy this bullshit for a second. To think that fans would react any other way than the way they did you just don't know your fucking product at that point. If that's, yeah. if that's truly how you thought, which I don't think it is. I just think there's more to the, there's, there's more that we don't, I don't, I, I enjoyed the Ralph Boner twist. I mentioned that earlier at the same time. There's no way that's it. There's just no way. I just can't believe that that's it. There's something else going on here. This, I don't know if it's multiverse or what or that, but there's something else. You don't, you don't cast Evan Peters and have him be a supporting character in a few episodes and then he goes away and that was a funny joke. It sounds like that's what they're wanting to do. Uh, as This article goes on to say, as for Peters who played a different incarnation, incarnation of Wanda's brother Pietro in Fox's X-Men movie, Schaefer says she didn't want his appearance to be a gimmick, but rather a meta twist. On the fact that Wanda knows, quote, he's supposed to be her brother, but clearly isn't. Schaefer says she thought a good way to let the audiences share that, quote, something is wrong here. 
feeling was by casting Peters because they would immediately recognize that he's not the right version of Pietro, who was played by Aaron Taylor Johnson in the MCU's Avengers Age of Ultron. It is a reasonable explanation, certainly, but one could argue that the exact same result could have been achieved by casting any actor other than Taylor Johnson. <laughs> and then nobody would have jumped to conclusions about the X-Men being integrated into the MCU. I, I wholeheartedly agree. What? Yes. Any other actor could have been cast and we could have seen Darcy say they've recast Pietro. Yeah, the line works no matter who. It could be Macaulay fucking Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. It, it works. WandaVision alone. Any other actor. But they had to cast Evan Peters, who played Pietro in the Fox X-Men movies. That is a fucking troll, sir. That is... Yeah. Come on. Come on. I'm sorry. It worked. I'm, it did not work. Well, what I mean by it worked is it's episodic television. It's eight or nine weeks. I forget. I guess it was nine weeks at the end of the day. It got – it feels – I still remember some of the early, like more casual MCU fans seeing the first couple of weeks of WandaVision and like my, my sister, for example. Like she'll call me and she'll be like, what is this WandaVision shit? Like I'm giving it one more week and that's it. But even casual fans, it seemed like that was the turning point for the show when they really started getting into the, some of the theorizing. Um, I don't know. I think in terms of ep like keeping people hooked on episodic TV and knowing that some of the enjoyment is happening on those Reddit boards, it worked. It and, worked. And when I say it worked, I mean they accomplished what they set out to do. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It works when you – it doesn't work at the end. I it, get it doesn't work for me when you cast Evan Peters in that role because everyone is saying that he's going to be the same like they've opened up the multiverse. It's 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 the version from the Fox movies. And that's where when you're trying to explain to me that they never wanted to confuse us with that that it was never intended to be that. It was just get the fuck out of here with that That's shit. You, 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 you 100% knew that fans are going to theorize about this. They can tell me, they can tell me that like, you know, we ran away with these theories as far as like Mephisto is concerned. I get it. That's fine. I'll buy that. That's fine. Whatever. I think it was, you know, it, it felt like, Every episode, they're implying that there's a, maybe a bigger bad. You know, we saw, you know, you know, we, we got characters mentioning the devil. We've got characters saying the word nightmare over and over again. We've uh, got Grim people. Grim Reaper's helmet in the intro. Grim Reaper's episode. helmet <laughs> in, in intro. We've got uh, the, you know, satanic salute being on display in those, you know, fake Wanda commercials that we see throughout the episodes. There's a lot of stuff that happens in this, but for us to not run away with the thought that maybe this new version of Pietro could be brought in from the multiverse and the Fox X-Men version of Pietro and they cast the same actor from those movies and saying like that was not the intention. Get the fuck out of here. 
get the f- – I'm sorry. I still love the show. I love what the show accomplished. And I think that, you know, like, yeah, it did handle Wanda's grief. But there's things that they did in this show that that lead us to, you know, that, that, that have us th- – they have us think like they've opened up the multiverse. This could be like the introduction to the X-Men. We've, we're get, we're possibly getting Pietro from the X-Men universe. And just to come out and say it's Ralph Boner is kind of bullshit in my opinion. <laughs> it's kind of like they're obviously fucking with us and you either like it when somebody fucks with you a little bit or it pisses you off. You know what I mean? I get it. That's the um, one thing that like I love the show, but that's the one thing that pisses me off is is the casting of Evan Peters in that role, and then trying to act like that was never like 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 are they Jake? Do you feel like they 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 are kind of saying like that was never our intention? Like yeah, that's what pisses me off so much about this story <laughs> to even think for a second that. <laughs> Like it's like the troll continues, but on an even worse level. Like they had to have known how we were going to respond to the casting of Evan Peters. They told us all along that this was a prequel to a movie that has multiverse in the fucking title. <laughs> and now, and now they're like, oh, we don't understand why fans took this to the next level and thought that this was incorporating the X Men universe into the MCU. Oh, we didn't foresee that coming. Like what? <laughs> I, I this story boils my brain. <laughs> I dude, I'll I'll accept the fact that yeah, maybe we did run a little wild with the Mephisto stuff, right? I mean, okay. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. But this was like <laughs> This is overt. This is you are you are casting a guy who was Quicksilver in a completely different set of movies that were based in the same kind of like Marvel mutant X-Men universe. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. Now you're well, now you're, the, 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 the verbal disca- description for people that are visually impaired said it's Pietro from the Marvel X-Men movies. Like that's, they explicitly called him that. Are you serious? I didn't even catch that. I, I, I'm sure I've seen it. I haven't tried it, but I'll see if I can find you a link. But my understanding is if you use the, it's, you know, like the verbal, the audio description for For visually impaired, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it'll, it said she opens the door and it's, Pietro from the X-Men Fox <laughs> film. There's like something explicitly like that. Whoa. So there's a shitload of blind people who are even more pissed than you are, Brian. Wow. And Jake. Hmm. Oh boy. Oh boy. I mean, my only hope is that it truly is multiverse shit going on here and they're just it, they're they just can't come out and say it yet. That yeah. would make all of this like okay. Yeah. Like they're just they're continuing the pretend like they don't know what we're talking about because they can't quite let the cat out of the bag yet. If that's the case, then I get why they're saying the dumb shit they're saying. But my fear is that they're just straight up saying dumb shit. Yeah, I wonder, too, like, you know, we've heard of the multiverse before in um, Spider-Man Far From Home. That ended up probably being a a curveball as far as we know. Um, Part of me wonders if they want to save setting the ground rules for how the multiverse works for a feature film 
You know, like they just didn't want to go there here and now. I I don't know if that means they still couldn't have done something and then just explain the ground rules later. But in understanding a multiverse, there has to be logic to how the multiverse works. Yeah, it just I and I agree with Brian. They could achieve the same effect by casting any other actor, any other. Darcy could have looked at the screen when she's watching this as Wanda opens the door. Wanda could have any other actor could have been behind that door and Wanda could have been like could have said Pietro and. And Darcy could have been like, they've recast Pietro. It could have been any other act. They had to cast the one guy, the one guy in the world that also played that character. That is a troll to the highest degree. They they should have had Darcy watch on TV and say, holy shit, it's Quicksilver from the Fox X-Men movies. Just lean into it. (laughs) And have her holding the DVD in her hand. (laughs) (sighs) and then we can hear time in a bottle playing behind her exactly uh, that's i I think that's like my 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 biggest complaint is that they didn't it's not that they didn't do it it's the fact that like once they've done everything that they did they're acting like like we like we as fans (laughs) Like, yeah, they're blaming the viewers. That's the worst part about this. <laughs> yes, like, like too far. Yeah, like, oh, like, oh, okay, we're running away with all these theories, but, but, and I get you it. Gave Maybe. us the Fox movie, Chris. Uh, yes, Don't blame the fans. <laughs> Come on, you know what you're doing. Knock it off. Somebody needs to own it. Somebody needs to man up and be like, yeah. We knew exactly what you motherfuckers were thinking when we cast Evan Peters. Yeah, we like him as an actor. We can talk about that all day. We love him. He's great. He's fucking wonderful. He did a great fucking job in the series. He's so good. Blah, 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 blah. But he also played Pietro in the Fox movies. And we fu- we wanted to fuck with you. We His name is Ralph Boner. We boned all of you. <laughs> With our they fucking the, the dumbest name possible to just I know just I would a, accept the whole Ralph Boner thing if they were to say we knew what you would think is that this is X Men yes Quicksilver even even if the fucking creators just came out and said yeah we knew you motherfuckers would think that it was Pietro from Fox and it's not <laughs> I got to tell you guys I saw the story this week I, I'm pretty it must have been this week. That said that they were inspired by the Trevor Twist in Iron Man 3. And I must have been doing something because I remember copying. Well, Kevin Smith actually brought that up. Kevin Kevin Smith brought that up. I was that article to you guys because I know how much that pisses you off. Actually, Jake, you like Iron Man Jake likes it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Jake likes it. I know, Brian, how much it pisses you off. It does. I must have just gotten distracted. But what's, what's nice about that, though, even though I hated the Trevor reveal in Iron Man 3. Yeah. I love the fact that, you know, in the new Shang-Chi movie, we are going to get the proper Mandarin. Right. So I'm happy that there's going to be payoff to that. It just feels like at this moment in time, there's no payoff to this Ralph Boner bullshit. (laughs) And that's where I guess I'm more forgiving, only because I just have this feeling like we're not done with that. Okay. Like like I said, if you're right, then – 
all yeah. is forgiven. Sure. And yeah. I, under, I understand the ruse going on. But like on the flip side, like when we had the WandaVision roundtable, you know, we got a headshot of Ralph Boner. And I, I also theorized that, you know, in the Marvel universe, there's an actor of Simon Williams. Could could he be playing Wonder Man? So, you know, we'll we'll see. I, I, I don't know if at the end of the day, it sounds like from that interview with Matt Shackman that he did with comicbook.com that that that's a story for another day that they're holding on to it. And so we'll see. Have they explained oh, I'm sorry, Brian. Have they explained why there was Wonder Man concept art clearly in the frame in a making of video weeks ago and we never saw Wonder Man in the have they acknowledged as to why that is? No, I haven't heard anything. Yeah. 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 Oh, also, check this out. Apparently, Agatha Harkness was originally going to be a mentor to Wanda by the end of this. This comes from Slash Film. Speaking with Entertainment Tonight, WandaVision creator Jack Schaefer revealed that it wasn't originally going to be Agatha all along. According to Schaefer, several different characters were discussed in regard to WandaVision, although she doesn't specify who those characters are. And eventually, everyone came around to Agatha Harkness. The character comes right out of Marvel Comics, but the comics version of Agatha is much different than the version played so memorably by Catherine Hahn. And according to Schaefer, in the early planning stages, Agatha was more of a mentor figure to Wanda than an adversary. Quote, in the early stages, she functioned as more of a mentor. And then as we got into the room and started really legitimately breaking the episodes, it became clear that having more of a proper antagonist would serve the structure really well. So she increasingly moved in that direction. But we didn't lose sight of the potential for her to be a mentor and a teacher and a partner and a confidant. All of that will, all of that still infused all of their scenes together. And we like to say that there's a version of the story where Wanda and Agatha walk off into the sunset together, you know? You could kind of see it, and I think that led to better writing for the two of them, those gray tones in there. So, yeah, apparently they had originally... That makes sense to me. That really does make sense to me that they originally had wanted Agatha Harkness to be a mentor to Wanda. There's the scene where after the dog dies and they're explaining Wanda is explaining that she can't bring the dog back and explaining death to the kids that it really feels like Agatha is there to kind of like help Wanda realize that she can't bring vision back and like going back and thinking about that scene and what we got with that character at the end of it, it doesn't make sense. Cause it, I see what you're saying. It felt like she was trying to help Wanda in that moment, like get over, like, like, okay, you're explaining to your children that you can't bring back the dead and that you've got to accept that the dog has died. But on the flip side, you can't accept the fact that vision is dead. You brought him back with your magic. You know, you basically separated like, you know, the mind stone powers and brought him back that way. And you can't accept it. But by the end of this, man, she's just like, I want your fucking power. <laughs> I want all your fucking power. And there's, and so I, I kind of see like where they kind of had that set up. But by the end of it, it didn't, you know what I mean? It does, it's not cohesive. If that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I was very shocked by the last episode how it just became a, a big old. I just want your power and to be the most all kind of like a one note villain and like nothing interesting there. Just like I want your fucking power. But it just felt like there were all these like theories that seemed to hold water about how how she was just always there with whatever Wanda needed. Like, you know, anytime Wanda needed any kind of emotional support, that character was there to help guide her through it. Yeah. Even, I even thought for a second her being a villain when she revealed she was a villain was more support for Wanda. Because at the time in the episode, Wanda was kind of a starting to accuse herself of being the bad guy. Right. And it felt like, well, maybe Agnes was doing the whole Agatha all along to take the blunt of the emotional weight off of Wanda. Right. So she wouldn't feel like a villain. Just one more way to give Wanda the, the thing she needed, but it uh, just ended up being no. There's going to be listeners that listen to this and say that, like, Jake and Brian, you guys are just spitting. You guys are just sour grapes because your theories didn't come true. That is no. not it at That's not all. That's true. That is but not li- it at all. But listen to this. What like so if Agatha was basically saying to Wanda this power is too destructive and you shouldn't have it because you can't control it. Is she wrong? I, I don't I don't know if she's wrong. But but the, the the fact that yeah, it doesn't mean she's a good guy. She just wanted to she's right. It's she wanted that power though, right? Yeah, I mean, it might have been selfish, but is she wrong? I mean, who's more likely to control the chaos magic, her or Wanda? At this point, her. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think she's the hero of her own story. I think she is. And, you know, that's why I think she's a really interesting character. I mean, look, we've got 350, 400 years of history with her that I'd love to learn more about. You know, give me a Disney Plus show with just Agatha in the Civil War era fucking with people. I'd love to see that. Uh, but I, I don't know if I – I mean, we obviously have a little more maybe to learn about her motivations, but I don't know if we – I don't know if I see her as a one-note villain for that reason. Because I think she, at the end of the day, she might have been an evil bitch, but she's right. Yeah, even if they did that character exploring her 300 years, I wouldn't just want it to be about her being a one-note villain. I, I would expect yeah. that series to to gray her out, you know? Well, look, think of it this like just I'm going to just just for fun. OK, uh, a young witch who has no control over her powers and doesn't even know who she is or what she can do. But is this generational like chosen one all powerful person just took thirty five hundred people hostage and is mentally controlling them. I'm going to go on a covert mission to break into this town and befriend her so that I can take that power into my onto myself and prevent her from doing this. It's not it's not all that bad from one perspective. Well, you know? what we I don't go- think she gives a shit about the people in the town. She I don't either. No, no, I'm not saying it's noble. She clearly doesn't give I'm a with about Jake. It. I'm with you. Here's the thing with her character. She doesn't trust witches. And that is 100% confirmed in this show. It's she doesn't trust other witches. Witches tried well, to kill her. Was, witches tried to kill her. She couldn't control power that she and she proved them wrong once before. Right. She was told you shouldn't be doing that. That's not power that you should be trying to use. Right. At the at the stake burning scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, are, are you talking about um, 
her getting into dark magic? Yeah. Her mother was like, you can't, you can't control this. You're not this, you can't do this. She was like, yes, I can. And I have. So it makes, it makes sense to me why she would be arrogant enough to think that she could take that power from Wanda to stop this disaster. And again, in no way selfless, self in a, a selfish way. But I, that's kind of the way I saw her. I I, 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 could, I guess. I, I don't know if I see her as like this, like, as like her being heroic. I, I feel like it was, no. it was more of like, um, of a revenge. For me, it felt more like, like more revenge getting back at like other witches because like witches were the ones that tried yeah, to absolutely. fucking kill her. I totally agree with you. I'm just saying you could easily see this spin. You could easily see them doing a lot more with her story. Sure. And yeah. I'd, I'd love to see a story about a mentor and a mentee where the mentor could stab that mentee in the back at any moment and you don't know. I would love to see a story about a mentor and a mentee and Mentos the Freshmaker. Exactly. <laughs> in a bottle of Diet Coke. Right, yeah. And fucking like, you know. Give, Whoa, that's explosive. Yeah, exactly. Let, let's, let's see what happens if we feed this to a pelican. Will it explode? <laughs> Will a pelican explode if we give a Mentos the Freshmaker? <laughs> Will this happen? That's the creators would be like. I don't understand why the viewers thought the pelican would ever explode. I don't understand. <laughs> why would they ever get that idea? It was just meant to be a simple, refreshing drink for the pelican. Yeah, it's just, it's just the fresh maker, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> Somewhere, someone's listening and they're saying, "I can't imagine why Greg is saying she's the good guy." I'm not saying she's the good guy. I'm just saying. They you could, could spin see it that from way. Her perspective, why yeah. she does what she does. I she's she's motivated by jealousy too. I thought she made right. that kind of pretty painfully clear in the last yeah. episode. Yeah, well. I, I don't think like even in her brain, it's like even like I don't think that she's doing it for good reasons. I feel like she's just doing it for like vengeance on on witches in general. She's she's got a fear of like witches having this power anyway, and. She's got to stop Wanda because Wanda's a witch. So, I don't know. All right. I got, uh, what do we got here? I got possible spoilers for uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I got this from Stephen Farshad of the uh, Smorgasbord Star Trek podcast. He It was originally posted on 4chan and it's possible spoilers for the Falcon and Winter Soldier. But you know what, Jake? We are so close to this show coming out on Disney Plus that I'm not going to go over these spoilers. I'm actually oh. I'm actually going to just throw it out there to our listeners that if you do want to see what was originally posted on 4chan as episodic spoilers for all six episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier Send me an email, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at popcultureleftovers.com. Title it, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And let me know that you want to see these spoilers, and I will copy and paste them and send them out to you, Jake. I just think that we are, we're one week away from the show starting. What's the no, fun? No, I agree. I agree. There's no reason to dissect the what if mm-hmm. at this point when we're going to, like, I think there'll be more topical next week anyway if it turns out that they're true tell you what definitely should delve into what the future episode wants i have yeah i have 
spoilers for episode one. It's broken down into spoilers for episode one. And you know what? Next week, I'll just break it down and let you know if uh, the spoilers for episode one shake out in episode one of the Falcon Winter, uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier. If these spoilers line up or if it's bullshit. Do these spoilers make you more excited or less excited? That's a great question. I'm going to ask you a question now, Greg. You read reactions to people that have gotten uh, screeners for – how many episodes did they get screeners for on this one? One. Okay. One, I, I understand it. Yeah. Okay. What are people saying? Really positive. It's funny because there's one person that referred to it as a bit of a long slog in the first episode, but then in this another tweet that said it was incredibly action-packed and that there was a – movie quality action sequence i read that one yeah 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 there was a lot of talk of um a very surprising ending and a character that people don't expect to see that they see yeah again like that's about all that i saw but i didn't see a single negative reaction but what i did see was expect more of like a this is a superhero spy show, very much in the vein of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Here's the one thing that I will say that I've read in these spoilers is that I will say one thing. Omega Red is, a, is supposedly showing up in this. Oh, I've heard that. That's all I'll say. Awesome. That's all I'll say. They really opened a can of worms with the Mandalorian episode one. It feels like because of how that episode ends, it gives this like high bar for all these Disney plus shows, even the Marvel ones. Dude, dude, my question to you is which has been the more satisfying series, WandaVision or, and I know it's like people could say we're comparing apples to oranges because we're comparing Star Wars and Marvel, but which has been more satisfying for you, the Mandalorian or WandaVision? I, I, that's so hard. I, I would say The Mandalorian, but The Mandalorian feels like a TV series to me, where WandaVision always just felt like kind of this event thing happening. Like, I, Mandalorian always felt like this thing that was going to go on for multiple seasons. It's kind of contained. Yes, it takes place in the greater Star Wars universe, but its story is kind of contained within itself. Where It is, but it isn't. I mean, they really opened up in the second season, man. I agree with that, but but it's still very much like you could just watch The Mandalorian. Yeah, but yeah, on the flip side, it's like you also have to, in order to stand, understand everything that's going on in The Mandalorian, you got to watch The Clone Wars, you got to watch Rebels, you got to watch, you got to watch fucking Return of the Jedi, you got to, you know what I mean? You got to fucking. <laughs> yeah, I think they do a good enough job explaining all those characters. I'm like, not saying they people, don't. My sister's yeah. watching this shit. My sister doesn't fucking give a fuck about Star Wars, but she loves Baby Yoda. Yeah, but I, I, those people that haven't seen Clone Wars, it's not like they don't know who Bo-Katan is from the context of the show when they watch it. I, they, they do a great job. I, I That's the only reason I... I like it better as a series because it does feel more like a series to me. Than yeah, this, but like, there, there's scenes like it, you get in the post credit scene of Boba Fett taking over, you know, Jabba the Hutt's fucking, you know, criminal network. I mean, that's... Oh, I hear it. I agree. On a personal level, though, I don't think there's any original Disney Plus programming I've enjoyed more than the first three episodes of WandaVision. What do you think, Greg? I love both of them. I love WandaVision and I love The Mandalorian. 
um, at risk of sounding overdramatic, the Mandalorian united a fractured fan base. And the Mandalorian for me was almost like being like like being with somebody you've loved your whole life and just and just seeing something about them that's a little different that makes you rekindle that love yeah like it just it's like it just was you know i remember seeing the force awakens and how that felt like i know not everyone loved the force awakens i i quite liked it i I fucking loved it i fucking loved that first movie i was seven years old yes i saw the force awakens i loved it the mandalorian was like that in my living room every week. Yeah. Like I was a kid again. Yeah. And, you know, I was seeing these things and like, like this best friend was visiting me saying, let's play with your sand crawler and that we'll have Boba Fett blast up the side and shoot Jawas. And like the coolest kid in town who had the best star Wars figures. It, it just, it was, Oh, that's fucking awesome. As much as I love WandaVision. Yeah. It's not that it's wonderful. But Mandalorian is is so special to me. Oh, it's like it's like you you remember that you remember the the quote about disintegrations. Yeah, exactly. And oh. then you, oh, there's a disintegration. Like it just <laughs> it just like yes. I said, it was it it it's had such profound love for the source material. There's yes. nothing like that. There's nothing. Hey, man, I love I love what Jack Schaefer did. I love what fucking Matt Shackman did for WandaVision. But man, the love, the love and the care that Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni put into The Mandalorian, it puts that on another level for me, man. Like, dude, and everything you've said, like, that hits me. That hits me, man. I, like, it's, it's an easy choice for me. It's an, I love The Mandalorian. There's like, I, I think as far as like the the series are concerned, I know we've spent more time with the Mandalorian now with the two seasons. But man, even just going back, if, we're, I, if I'm just saying like season one of Mandalorian versus season one of WandaVision, I love I love both of them. Don't get me wrong, but man, that first season of back of, of the Mandalorian is just so it united. <laughs> I feel like it united. Star Wars fandom was united again in one thing. And it didn't matter that like not everybody was happy with fucking the last Jedi that like not everybody was a hundred percent happy with, you know, uh, the final, what was it? What, the, the rise of Skywalker, the Mandalorian was doing its own thing, man. And it, we all fell back in love with Star Wars again. There's something beautiful about that first season, dude, yeah. something so beautiful. I, I gotta give it if if I'm and I'm I know I'm comparing two completely different things. I've already been in love with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Nothing's gonna shake that for me, man. It doesn't matter. You know, you got to come out with uh, you got to come out with like two or three more fucking Age of Ultron's before I hate the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You got to come out with a couple more Thor: The Dark Worlds before I hate the Cinematic Universe. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, man. What? The Mandalorian did as far as uniting the fans again. And dude, there's something beautiful. I'll tell you one thing. Disney has done a phenomenal job with getting fans so hyped and making the best memes. 
for these shows that I've ever seen. The memes that come out of The Mandalorian, the memes that have come out of WandaVision have just been so much fun. I've loved it. I've loved it. Oh, yeah. Meme culture has just been killing it with the Disney Plus original series. Yeah. And it's – dude, and, I, and, and, and just by me saying I love The Mandalorian that much more – it it, it it sounds like I hate Wanda. I do not hate WandaVision. I love WandaVision. I absolutely love it. But man, I gotta, as far, if I'm, if I am comparing these two and like my experiences of watching both of them, I, I love The Mandalorian much more than I do WandaVision. That's just me though. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think time too. I mean, Mandalorian is, is just, a legendary show. Yeah. That's only going to just like improve with time. Your yeah, feelings on it. About the only thing that makes me nervous is all the, sh- I'm like thinking of all the shows that after season two, I was over the moon, you know, like uh, uh, game of Thrones is like the new star Wars. I, yeah. I would never say that by the way. I, that's not, yeah. but yeah, but you know, like what happens, God forbid, like just Mandalorian, they just all oh, season just is shit. You know, <laughs> I don't yeah, think there's but, any way that's going to happen, but it just makes me a little nervous. I do think there is a way. I, I think, like, I compare it to what happened with the Netflix Marvel stuff, where Daredevil yeah. season one is gangbusters. It is, and then yeah. they start to like trying to combine everything into this Defenders crap, and it feels like that's what's going on with the Mandalorian. Now they've announced these three other series. There's going to be this event that all three series are going to share in like that may just be too ambitious and maybe they should just stick to making great Mandalorian seasons and maybe yeah. that'll be the ruination of the Mandalorian. But they, I mean, there's yeah, that's a great point. But on one, on one, on one side, you've got Jeff Loeb who's doing the Marvel stuff for Netflix. And on the other side, you got Dave Filoni and John Favreau. No, I agree, but you, everyone can be stretched too thin. And can those guys helm four TV shows at once that are all going to connect into one final event storyline? Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I've seen Kevin Feige do it with the MCU, and he's basically setting everything up himself, but then passing the baton, the baton over to directors that he likes what's what's funny what's crazy about like kevin feige is the fact that like this guy will just like watch shit he'll just watch shit he'll watch stuff and he'll be like you know what i really like that fucking movie i like that movie quite a bit i wonder how those guys would work out in the mcu or he watched a television series he's like you know i I really enjoyed parks and rec i wonder what those russo brothers could do for a captain america movie and like that I mean, that's just bizarre to me. That is so bizarre to me, and I'm hoping that you know Filoni and Favreau can carry that over into the Star Wars series that we're going to be getting. I, I am worried about it, Jake. Don't get me wrong, because we haven't outside of the Mandalorian, they haven't proven anything yet. They haven't proven anything yet. Like I, we're all excited to see, you know, you and McGregor come back. And play Obi Wan Kenobi, but do we really know anything about like the showrunner that's doing anything here? You know, do we know that the showrunner is going to give it the love and care that Favreau and Filoni did in The Mandalorian? Do we know that? We don't know it yet. We got we got to get is that. Obi Wan Deborah Chan or forgive me who is um, I'm trying to remember who the showrunner for Obi Wan is. It is a female showrunner. Um, 
I think Greg's right. I'm looking it up right now because yeah. if that's the case, I f- Deborah Chow. I'm so sorry, Deborah Chow. Yeah, um, uh, based on the roundtable discussions, um, all in. You know, like w- just hearing her, Rick from Iowa, um, Dallas Bryce Howard talk about how they thought of the source material. A- any of them doing a spinoff, sign me up just totally into it. And I, I have the same concerns you guys do about expanded universe. Cause let's be honest, only one, only one brand has done it successfully. So many others have tried and failed at this sure. point. Yeah. The monster verse, let's be honest, star Wars already failed at this. Yeah. They already tried. They already failed. Yeah. So you, I think it's natural to be skeptical of interconnected universes at this point. I think Marvel's Netflix is a failure. An example of that, that failed. It, it is clearly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're one for whatever, 50 at this point in terms of expanded universes. And um, I get that we're nervous. If anybody can be successful, though, I feel like it's John Favreau and Dave Filoni, given the, the passion that they've showed us for the source material so far. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And it's... <sighs> Jake, I understand what you're saying about these guys being stretched too thin, but like on the flip side, like look at what like Kevin Feige has had to wrangle. <laughs> oh my god! No, no, I agree, I agree. I, I'm mostly just playing devil's advocate. Sure, it was, yeah, it was sounding like all rainbows and sunshine about the future of the Mandalorian, but I do see a dark path where it could get diluted and not be as good as it once was. Sure, yeah. It's also the risk that, like, if. <laughs> How much of the phenomenon is Baby Yoda? Is Baby Yoda central to the Mandalorian plot going forward? Or is he in something else? And does that, you know, does that change the trajectory of the show? Because, you know, obviously they knew Baby Yoda would be popular because they kept him under wraps. But did they know he'd be a cultural phenomenon? I think they did. I think yeah, they I did, man. Season two. I think, season two, they certainly did. Well, I think that they did from the get-go, to be quite honest with you. I don't think that you make the character look like Yoda without knowing that people are going to freak the fuck out. Yeah. It's a, it's a baby that looks like the same race of – that is the same race of Yoda. I think that they knew what they – I think they knew what they had. I think they knew what they had, and I think John Favreau knew what he had. I do. I, I agree. I, I think you're right because you don't take a picture of George Lucas cradling a puppet if you don't think you have something special, <laughs> right? Right. Yes. You've seen that picture. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I think they knew. I think that they knew. The only thing I'm upset about is the fact that not upset. I'm not upset about this. The only thing I wish is that Jake, you would have had the same experience that I and many fans had when Luke Skywalker came back. It's it's like, that's one of the, that, that, that like, I'm not upset at you that you weren't as excited and didn't feel the, all the feels that we felt, but man to like, not, I can't imagine not feeling what I felt while watching that. And you didn't. And, and man, I feel bad for all the fans like that watch that, that, that when, when, when Luke came back and did what he did in that final episode of season two, 
And Greg, I, I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but my God, yeah. like, like, dude, that I've been waiting to see. <laughs> I've been waiting to see that for thirty years, man. We talked a little bit about it um, a few episodes ago. And it was t- for me again. I'm going to sound like the biggest bitch here, but I don't care. It's how I feel. Um, it was an amazing Christmas gift just to see my hero that I grew up with. Yeah. In that, in that, at, at that time for a f- just a few minutes, just a, just a glimpse, just a little more of that, that, that hope and that, um, and in his prime, like the realization of what Luke Skywalker could be yeah, for, yeah. for just a few minutes. And, you know, I, I, um, I have always seen Star Wars as kind of like being a family thing. I, I'm a, like, I have two, two boys. I, I've told the story about, uh, it must have been Return of the Jedi. I was sitting on my dad's lap when we saw Return of the Jedi in the theaters, which would have made me five. Mm. I was five years old. And the crawl is going up. And, you know, at that time, the movies were in theater for a long time. But I'm still too young to read, especially at any kind of speed. And my dad starts reading the crawl to me because I'm too young to read. I'm sitting on his lap. And when The Force Awakens came out, my my oldest son, Ethan, was five years old. So I bought a ticket for my dad and I bought a ticket for Ethan. And as soon as the crawl started, I took Ethan and I put him on in my lap and I started reading the crawl to him. Um, that's awesome. and that's what's, that's what Star Wars has always been about to me. It's, 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 it's family. It's, yeah. And, um, when I was here with my boys in Christmas time, seeing them squeal when they saw that X-Wing and say, no, it's not Luke, it's not him. And then to see the green lightsaber and to say it can't be and it's it's luke it's luke from like return of the jedi right it was i i i will never forget their reaction to seeing luke because it was it it was it's surreal seeing little kids that kind of look like you reacting the same way you reacted 40 years ago 35 (laughs) years ago for your hero Wow. You know, it just so special. I, like, I will never forget that. And I get no, I don't begrudge you at all, Jay, because I know it didn't land for some people. But for me, it was an amazing gift just to see him for a few minutes. Um, one more time. Yeah, I get it. And I, I, you know, I can, I'm super emotional when it comes to fiction. So it, it is sad to me that it just didn't hit me like that. Like it hit you guys and a lot of other people. I just, ah, man, I don't know. Between the wonky special effects and just wanting it to finally be a story that wasn't connected to Skywalker in any way whatsoever. It was just came off as a disappointment. Oh man. It was, it was what I needed, man. It was what I needed. And like, for as much as I did love the last Jedi, I mean, this is the Luke that I think we all wanted to see, man. This is the, this is the Luke. Well, and on, a story, on a story level, it makes sense that you would see this Luke during this time period and not see this Luke during the Last Jedi time period. We, but here's the thing. I, for as much as I love the Last Jedi, we could have still gotten that Luke, man. We still could have. And I think, like, it all started with, like, I, man, dude, I, I look back on, on, here's the thing. 
I had no problem with any of the the um, the uh, you know the the sequel trilogy until we got the final movie. That's when a lot of my complaints about like how all this had been handled have kind of like been bubbling to the surface now is like once we got that final rise of Skywalker movie. Now it's like, I wish we would have had one director for the entire fucking thing. I wish that we could have gotten a scene with all of our characters together again. And I wish we could have got a badass Luke scene. Um, and I think like this, that final episode of the Mandalorian kind of gave us that. And that's what I, I loved about it so much is the fact that like for those fans that like weren't happy with what they got out of Luke and the last Jedi, um, we got that. We got that here. It was kind of like a nice, it was kind of like a nice send off to the character, even though we saw the character die a couple years prior. It was just nice to see that character like in his fucking prime show up and save the day one last time being a badass, being a Jedi showing up and taking on the enemy that nobody else could take on. We saw, man, we saw what those fucking dark troopers did to the Mandalorian, man. It, it, what did it take for him to fucking take one of them out? I mean, and then for Luke to just fucking <laughs> Luke to just show up like a badass and just fucking just just take him out one at a time and like it was nothing it was like he was crushing it was like he was crushing soda cans that last one where he just fucking made him basically implode yeah I, it was man as 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 wonky as the special effects were i'm not going to lie man the fucking the deep fake that came out like days later looked so much better it did look better it yeah. looked better i'm not going to lie but it, at the end of the day, the emotional impact that I felt while watching that scene, it didn't bother me. It's interesting, too, because I – it made me see Star Wars fandom more favorably. And let me explain what I mean by that because it might sound weird. Okay. But Star Wars fandom, there are small parts of the fandom that obviously can be quite toxic. Sure. I mean – we saw what happened to Kelly Marie Tran. No matter what you think of The Last Jedi, what happened to her is not acceptable. The way people treated her online. It was wrong. It just was wrong. And yeah. I can't believe to this day that until I saw that X-Wing, I had no fucking clue that there was any way we were seeing Luke Skywalker at the end of that episode. Now, now I – just like everybody else, I saw the episodes before when they said, you know, he's going to call out to a Jedi or a Sith and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I just didn't – I there was no way I thought at the end of season two we were going to see Luke Skywalker until I saw that X-Wing. Totally, totally stunned. Nobody spoiled it. Nobody – like there was nobody on Facebook. There was nobody – there was no USA Today article, which always gets me. The fandom was really awesome about respecting the surprise. It was awesome. Yeah, in your world. <laughs> Did you get spoiled, Jake? No, no, I didn't. But I can't imagine that 
Star Wars fandom united not to post on social media about Luke Skywalker returning. There was a I, meeting of Star Wars fandom, the Illuminati of Star Wars fandom. <laughs> was it they much like the with, episode one council? Like, yeah, they circled around and said, we will not post anything about this. <laughs> no, I mean, I stayed off the, I didn't get it spoiled, but I, I stayed off the internet all day that day until I could watch the episode later that night. I assume if I was on Facebook or Twitter, I would have known. I didn't even know there was something to stay off of Facebook or Twitter for. Like, obviously, I knew it was the finale and something cool probably happened, but I didn't even know there was something to look out for, you know? How in the fuck are we talking about Star Wars and we're in Marvel news? I don't even understand this, dude. Jake, how did this happen, dude? Because we decided to compare what was better, WandaVision or Mandalorian. I did that. That's my fault, bro. Uh, Mandalorian is better in my opinion. Yeah, as a whole, I agree. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on. What do we got here? Oh, Thor 4 leaks. Did you guys fucking see this shit? I sent it to you. Yeah, I yeah, did. I watched the video and read the article. Yeah, uh it's uh, set photos and videos. This comes from Screen Rant just a few days ago. Photos of Natalie Portman levitating during a Thor 4 scene were revealed, and now a video accompanies it. Courtesy of Natalie Portman updates, the video shows the actress jerking around as though caught in a stopper. Greg. Grow up. <laughs> I'm picturing her floating around just <laughs> pumping at her crotch. Jerking. You know? <laughs> Gyrating her crotch around. Like making an O face, going like, oh, oh, oh guys, you know, <laughs> let's let's be, let's try to be mature. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you said jerking, and I, said, I know. Well, well, it's it's part. I I said jerking, but that's what they wrote in Screen Rant. The video shows yeah. the actors jerking around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely started laughing at Greg laughing. <laughs> I feel I feel like my fucking. Uh, Sixth grade science teacher. All right, let's <laughs> let's be adults. Let's grow up. It, it would have been funnier if if it was a male character that was jerking around. Oh yeah, a guy with a dick. Yeah, you know, sl- slinging ropes all over Asgard. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> silly, <laughs> silly string coming out of the old penis yeah, there. Right. <laughs> uh, it could be Here. that. Greg, are we, are we, can we move forward, Greg? We can. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yeah, we get it. She's jerking around. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it could be that this is the moment Jane gets her mighty Thor powers. This is further supported by some additional Thor love and thunder set photos, which shows as guardians have created a memorial for Odin. At the spot where he died. So this is a new Asgard. The broken pieces of Mjolnir are also on display. And Jane is spotted looking at them. And so we all watched the video. We all clearly saw her jerking around. (laughs) Greg, you saw her jerking around. Based on the pictures and video, it seems likely that Jane's visit to Odin's memorial triggers some kind of reaction from the the Mjolnir shards, which then gives her both the mythical hammer 
and the abilities of the mighty Thor. Of course, this is merely speculation. Anything could happen in Thor Love and Thunder. Still, it looks like this is a key part of Jane's evolution into mighty Thor. And so, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, she's on, she's on wires and they've got her levitating in this video, uh, jerking around. Yeah. It makes sense with Taika Waititi doing both movies that we would like return to set pieces and locations that were in the other Taika Waititi movie, Mm -hmm. Taika Waititi movie, right? Like that makes sense that he would use Odin's death in this field as the place to have Thor's rebirth. But what happened? Like what? Okay. What happened? Like that's the thing. What makes Thor unworthy? Is Thor with her at this time? Does Mjolnir choose Jane Foster? I'm sure we're going to see a scene of Mjolnir broken apart. It just kind of like looks like an old artifact at this point. You know what I mean? Kind of like, mm-hmm. kind of like uh, in Lord of the Rings when you're looking at the original sword of Isildur where it's broken in shards and uh, right before they fucking like make it all one piece again and then give it to Aragorn. You know, like this is going to be more of a magical type moment with Jane Foster showing up. Is Thor there at the exact same time? And does Mjolnir choose to like reforge itself in front of her and then fucking, you know, is this is going to be a wild scene if because we we definitely know she's levitating. Something is happening. She's gaining the power of Thor. Is she going to be hearing Anthony Hopkins voice saying, you know, you know, if you're worthy, you, you have the powers of Thor. Why is Thor unworthy? And, you know, it's going to, I feel like we're going to see a scene of Mjolnir reforging itself and her grabbing that fucking, you know, that, that hammer and, and, and becoming mighty Thor. And, um, I wonder if they filmed her her scenes of her being Jane before she started like this fucking insane P90X workout she's on. Yeah. I was thinking that when I saw her biceps, that's going to be hard to explain. I know the cameras can do a lot, but well, uh, I mean, look what they did with Chris Evans and you know what I mean? I was going to say the same. Yeah. This is cool though, man. I think this is going to be an awesome scene. I think if they do that, if they do this right, with Mjolnir reforging itself and and her becoming the mighty Thor and and even Thor being present while this is happening, wow! <laughs> I, I have a feeling that Thor is going to get his ass handed to him by Gore the God Butcher, and that he's not going to be there. I don't think he's going to be dead, but I think he's going to be in a bad way, and that she will be the hero. But everything left. that we've been hearing is that he's going to be in this movie quite a bit. Yeah, but is it is it the reverse of like the the captured princess where it's Thor, Thor gets his ass handed to him early in this film and you know she's the only hope, you know, she she goes and reforges Mjolnir somehow, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like um you know, he's still got Stormbreaker. Yep. Yeah. Jake, man, you're quiet, dude. What are you thinking, dude? 
Yeah, I was just, I don't know. I, I think I agree with Greg that Thor will not be there for whatever reason. I feel like Thor is going to run into the new Thor before even fully knowing who it is. Why is Jane Foster there? Like, if, 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 okay, if the rumors are true that she's got the cancer, that she's got cancer that's going to end up killing her, why is she at New Asgard to begin with? To possibly, maybe she knows, maybe she has a lead that one way to get rid of the cancer would be mythical Norse god power. And she tracks where Mijon Or is and goes there. Nah, I don't, I don't like, I don't buy that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just throwing something I out know. there. I, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, to me, I think it's more exciting for Thor to run into new Thor without even 100% knowing who or why at first. It's a fun thing where the audience knows what's going on, but where Chris Hemsworth Thor has no clue what's going on. I, I like the fun in that. Yeah, it's interesting too. I mean, we know that um, Odin and Freya have met uh, Jane Foster when they were when she was in Asgard and they were helping her with the Aether. Right? right. Yeah. And is there even though Odin's dead, he's the, the Odin the all all knowing, right? Like he's so He's the all father. He's the all father. So would it make sense for them knowing in some way what's gonna happen in the future to say the one other person that we trust with this power is this person who loves our son so absolute so much, even though she dumps him. But who knew? Who knew that was going to happen? You know. That, um, that, my biggest question here is like trying to figure out why the fuck is she there? Right. Why is that, is she, is that why she gets the hammer? Because they they trust her with the power, and she discovers that through this movie. I I, I don't know. That, that that that's my biggest question: is why is Jane visiting Odin's memorial in New Asgard? Why is she there? If 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 she does have cancer. Why is she there? Who t- Maybe she's just trying to find Thor, and that's his last known earthly va- like location. Well, why wouldn't Thor be visiting her in a hospital room somewhere? It, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you'd think that she would just be in a hospital room, and they they're treating her for cancer. Why is she? At Odin's memorial, I think like I can't answer that question now. Like that's that's one of the questions that that I'm just like waiting for this movie to kind of like maybe maybe Thor visits her in the hospital and he's like, I'm gonna take you to New Asgard. Maybe somebody there can help you. What if what if I'm and I realize I'm totally fan theorizing here. Gore the God Butcher has him chained up somewhere and wants to know where all the rest of the Asgardians are because he wants to wipe them all out and he's mm. torturing Thor and Thor won't reveal, you know, like that's the crux of the movie is keep Gore away from Earth because the last thing you want is him and wherever they are. Right, right. right. To wipe out the rest of the Asgardians. Maybe. Hmm. I could see Thor being in a very bad way in this movie, though. That's just my guess. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think that, I think that maybe at the beginning of this movie, we might see a battle between Gore the God Butcher and Thor, and Thor gets defeated. 
that's gonna be cool i can't wait to see how they deal with gore like are we gonna see like a dead god graveyard that thor's gonna show up at like how's that gonna work hmm uh there's rumors that we are going to be seeing uh odin and um oh uh idris Elba's character uh help me out heimdall? Here. uh heimdall that we are going to be seeing them in valhalla so we will be That's going cool. to like the afterlife and we will be seeing them and frigga so there are rumors that all three of those actors renee russo anthony hopkins and um Idris Elba are going to be prizing their roles and we'll see them in the afterlife in Valhalla. So, and we know that Lady Sif is going to be in this movie as well. Yeah. According to those one spoilers, which may or not be, may or may not be true. She's going to be in it just as much as Tessa Thompson. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Black Panther two news. From comicbook.com, Ryan Coogler just gave fans an update on Black Panther 2, and he says it's been very hard to move on with Chadwick, without Chadwick Boseman. The MCU director stopped by Jamel Hill's Unbothered podcast to talk about the upcoming film. When they asked how the writing and planning were going, he was blunt in his assessment. It is plainly impossible to underplay how difficult it is to imagine a Black Panther sequel without Boseman at the center. But that is the task at hand for Kugler and his team with this project. Fans knew that things would be very different this time around when the legend passed away uh, next year. Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige came out firmly in support of Bozeman's family and reiterated that they would not be recasting T'Challa in the MCU. However, Black Panther 2 is one of the most anticipated projects on the slate and the director has to find an avenue forward. So while the task is difficult, Kugler is still confident they can meet the challenge. He said, you know, I'm currently going through it. One thing that I've learned in my short or long time on this earth, however you want to look at it, it's difficult to have perspective on something while you're going through it. This is one of the more profound things that I've ever gone through in my life, having to be part of keeping this project going without this particular person who is like the glue that held it together. He went on to say, that said, you have a personal life, you have a professional life, you've got a private life. When you work in something that you love, those things blend. They come together, right? Your life kind of becomes your work for the better part of it. So I'm trying to find a work-life balance. So I'm working on building two things that can stand on their own. I'm not there yet. But this is without question the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my professional life. I do not. I do not envy the position that this guy is in right now. He is, this has got to be the hardest Marvel project going forward as far as like, what in the fuck are we going to do? And... I mean, that is a huge hole in this universe. You had the best, in my opinion, you had the best actor playing this part that you could ever, could have cast in Chadwick Boseman. He's gone now. He's gone now, but they got to go forward with Black Panther 2. And it's like, how do you move, 
how do you move forward now at this point? You've got to find a new king of Wakanda. How do you, Jake, how do you make a movie now that doesn't feel like another origin story? I don't know if you can. Yeah, you can't really pass the torch from one panther to the other because you don't have Bozeman there to do that. It's, yeah, I can't. I, I agree. I, I don't envy Kugler at all. This is just almost an impossible task to please everyone. It's, it's wow. Like, what is he going to do? The easiest thing to say is like, oh, they're just going to hand over the mantle to Shuri, right? That's the easiest thing, right? To give it to, to Shuri. That's the easiest thing to do, right? Is that is that where he's going to go? Yeah, I mean, that's another thing, too, is just doing what everyone expects is never the most fun idea. Like, I do kind of want surprises. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you make a movie about who's going to take on the mantle of Black Panther. Do you do that kind of thing right away in the first 15 how do you minutes? Do, I mean, yeah. Hour? Like, how do you, uh, what do you, like, do you hold like a contest for like, who's worthy enough to be the next Black Panther? First off, you got to explain the death of T'Challa. That right there. How do you do that? How do you explain the death of T'Challa? Secondly, Somebody else has to take over the mantle of Black Panther. I mean, there's a lot. I I, I I do not envy this guy having to tackle this. This is this ha- he is not just saying this. No, he's not being hyperbolic. Not at all. It's an insane situation. We all know that Chadwick hid his, you know, illness from everyone. Yeah. He had no idea he could even potentially be in this situation. It's not like he had any prep time, like, or, you know, a break glass in case of emergency fail safe idea that he knew this could possibly happen. There was nothing, no nothing set up in previous movies to where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this could be our next Black Panther. We were all expecting to get Black Panther 2. With Chadwick Boseman as the character, and that's Chadwick not Chadwick himself happening. was expecting that. Yes, he expected to beat this thing and to come back and play the character. So, what a fucking shame. It is. I still can't. I still can't believe it, man. It's completely surreal. It is surreal. Yeah, it's funny. Just with the news, I've been increasingly convinced that it's not going to be Shuri. But I know there was a rumor that the Bridgerton star had been cast, and that's apparently been debunked, I think, because he's now in some other genre movie. I forgot which one. Um, but it, I just wonder if like Shuri's going to be Shuri for a while, and, and someone else will become the Black Panther for some story reason that they have to figure out. I, my, my one hope is if they don't, if the story doesn't feel right, don't, don't rush it. Yeah. Just get it right. Yeah. Just get it right. If it means we take another couple of years in Chadwick's memory to get this story right, you do that. What do you, you think? Do like, People will come. Should, should they put this off and do a Wakanda series first where they crown the next Black Panther in the Wakanda series? We know we're getting a Wakanda series. Should they crown the next Black Panther in the series and then jump into the movie instead of having the movie having to explain what happened? It feels weird because then it builds up equity and 
again, if it's not Shuri, and I think there's a good reason for it not to be Shuri, to be honest. I think Shuri should be your own character for a while. I just do. It's just the way I sort of see it. But you have to build up equity in this other character so that when they put that mantle on, you're rooting for them. And what about a Koye? What about a Koye? What about what about um, Denai Guerrera? I would love that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I would love that. I would like that, too. Hmm. I don't have the answers to this one. I can't. I can't sit here and speculate. And it's like, yeah, we can all talk about like, you know, if you would have asked me a few weeks ago, I would have been like, oh yeah, they'll just open up the multiverse and Michael B. Jordan will come back and he'll be the fucking Black Panther from another universe. I don't know anymore. <laughs> I don't know anymore, man. I, was I on your show where I like again? It's just shameful fan theory that you know, like Killmonger could always have a, a brother because if you're going to America and having kids, you're Maybe not just having one, you know. So there could be some other Killmonger out there. Oh, that just sounds like fucking and, coming, and, and, coming to America, the sequel. Yeah, it's like coming to yeah. <laughs> I, I got through the first half hour of that, you know. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, let's move on into DC news because honestly, I don't have any answers for Black Panther guys. I'm I'm just hoping that Ryan Coogler. And, uh, the people over there at Marvel can figure that out, man. It's fucking, I'm just, I think we're all just still super bummed. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure, you know, Kevin Feige has some input into what the choice is there too. Like mm-hmm. he either has to approve what Kugler wants to do or, right. you know, have his own ideas himself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Uh, the Batman rap filming today. Yeah, I read that. Today. It's rap, guys. That's exciting. Fuck yeah. I cannot wait. We should wait. see footage, I would think, in the next few months. Uh, we, we've seen footage, man, and that was like when they had like 25% of the movie done, and I was blown away by that. I cannot wait, I cannot wait to see a proper trailer. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't wait either. That's very exciting. News from Dark, oh, Greg, are you looking forward to the Batman? Uh, 100%. I can't wait. I can't wait. It feels, I think last time we talked about this, it was like the guess is that it was sort of like a long Halloween type thing, right? Right, yeah. And that's why yeah. so many characters are in it. Yeah, Absolutely. Sign me up. Can't wait. Yeah. This is surprising news. I read this on Dark Horizons. Last I had heard, Kiersey Clemens was out as Iris West. They were going to move forward with a new actor playing the role of Iris West. We were going to see Kiersey Clemens play Iris West in the Zack Snyder cut, but they were going to go with a different actor for the, you know, character going forward in the Flash movie. She's closed a deal to reprise her role as Barry Allen's love interest as Iris West in the upcoming Flash film at Warner Brothers. Yeah, this she took the role. She's 27 now. She took on the role five years ago. We haven't we haven't seen her. As this character, like her scenes, they were on the cutting room floor. And now it's confirmed she is going to be joining Ezra Miller, returning as Barry Allen, the Flash, uh, uh, love interest, Iris West. And, 
Yeah, we're also getting Sasha Cowley as Supergirl and, of course, Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck as versions of Bruce Wayne and Batman in the film. So, yeah, Kiersey Clemens. Most recently in Antebellum. She was in Antebellum. But, yeah, Kiersey Clemens is going to get a – she's going to get a legit shot at Iris West here. I think that's awesome. She she deserves it. I, I kind of felt bad for her with the situation that happened. So good on her. I, I She gets to show her stuff, and I definitely do think she deserves it. I'm super excited as well. Like I, you know, like here's the thing. She starred in a movie called Dope, which was directed by Rick Fumiyawa. Rick Fumiyawa also directed episodes of The Mandalorian, but he he directed a movie called Dope, which was really fucking great. It was a great movie. I love that movie. And so when Rick Fumiyawa was on The Flash, he cast her as Iris West. And then the project just went into limbo. And she shot scenes for the Justice League, and then Joss Whedon took over the project, and her scenes never made it into the movie. It reminded me of, um, what's the name of the actress that was in Divergent? That was cast as, in the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, she was cast as Mary Jane. Shailene Woodley, who just uh, got engaged to Aaron Rodgers. Shailene Woodley, yeah, she ne- her scenes never made it into those movies. She actually, I think, like what one of her scenes made it into the Amazing Spider-Man two, and it was a scene, it was an action scene with Electro, I believe, and it's you see the backside of a woman as she's looking out of like a pane glass window, and. That was supposed to be a scene with Mary Jane in the movie, and it's Shailene Woodley. But, like, in the movie, you never see her face. You just see her from the back. Yes. Which also reminded me, which also reminded me of there's a scene in Back to the Future where you see um, Eric Stoltz, who is originally cast as Marty McFly. You see him from the back. And in the movie, it's supposed to be Marty McFly, but they kept the scene of Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly. Oh, that's hilarious. What moment is that? I think it's the part in that movie where Biff shows up inside of the diner. Okay. To talk to, like, his father. And there's a shot of Marty where you see him from behind. And it's a shot they kept, and it's actually Eric Stoltz. And not... Not Michael J. Fox. I got to see that. Yeah. It's, Speaking it, of Shailene Woodley, I, I know this is random. Did you ever hear a few years ago she was um, she raised some attention because she talked about how part of her health routine is she would she would suntan her vagina. What? That, this sounds like this. <laughs> yeah. This sounds yeah, serious. What is she, uh, dude? This sounds like fucking uh, Gwyneth Paltrow shit. It's sort of in that vein, but like she, I don't, I'm probably not quoting the article, but if you Google it, there are direct quotes from her. She was sure that like it was healthy to get vitamin B from sun rays into her vagina. So she would go out and sun sun her vagina. First off, as it's been reported, I did a Google search on this right now, but I spelled vagina the same way. That Borat would. I spelled it Vagine. <laughs> but I'm not making this shit up. It's man. not. It, the first thing I found was Shailene Woodley's weird beauty secret. 
give your vagina some vitamin D. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I am not full of shit, am I? She gathers her own spring water and makes her own toothpaste. It's no secret that Shailene Woodley embraces an alternative lifestyle. But the Divergent Star's latest confession begs us to spread more than our horizons. In a recent interview with Into the Gloss, Woodley implores all females to let the sun shine on their lady bits. Quote, does it, does it make either of you guys creeped out that I knew this? It. A little no, bit. No, I uh, expected it. I know, Jake. <laughs> it, it, it's 100%. I'm learning more about Greg, and it creep, It does creep me out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I find it endearing, Greg. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, what are you doing on the internet, Greg? What are you, do, what are I you just, doing? I, we, I retain stuff like this, and I don't forget. I feel, it. no, I feel like that, like, for, when I go to Google... When I when I click on Google, it shows me all the things that it knows that I'm interested in. So I'm getting like WandaVision theories. I'm getting like, you know, Zack Snyder Justice League stuff. I'm getting MCU stuff. I'm getting all this stuff, right? You, on the flip side, you're getting Shailene Woodley's weird beauty secrets, vagina... Vitamin D bullshit. Is that popping up? Like, is that where you're finding this stuff out? You know, my, my, um, my internet search history is not for the tame of heart. Let's just put it that way. She goes, I like to give my vagina a little vitamin D. The all natural actress said, I was reading an article written by, <laughs> written by an herbalist about yeast infections. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. Uh, and other genital issues. And she said, there's nothing better than vitamin D. Woodley continues, if you're feeling depleted, go in the sun for an hour and see how much energy you get. Or if you live in a place that has heavy winters, when the sun finally comes out, spread your legs and get some sunshine. Oh, boy. All let the, the sun shine. <laughs> let the sun shine. The sun. That is a be- dude. What, hey, Greg. Yeah. What do you think about giving our? Uh, what do you think about giving some vitamin D to our D's, our dicks? Don't you think our dicks need some vitamin D? I did. Um, in in two thousand one, I went on vacation to Jamaica. And uh, I'm a very pale gentleman, so my roommates at the time got me tanning sessions, and I burned my dick in the tanning booth. Yeah. It is not a good feeling. Yeah. But that's a tanning booth, though, not natural sunshine. It's the same idea, though. It's like massive UV blasts right into my, 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 sh- my schlong, and it was really, really painful and really itchy. Oh man, between yeah, between that and then like the the furious masturbation with dial soap and <laughs> you need Greg, take care of your dick, dude. But that's when I was like sixteen. You know, that was a long time. Or no, I much know. younger than that. Probably thirteen or twelve. Yeah. Yeah, sixteen. What we're all jacking off. I mean, I was jacking off furiously. Oh, man, yeah. There was a, there was a good four or five years where I would just jack off furiously. I'd say from 13 to like 17, I was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> I was, I was a jack off machine. 
That was fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for Kiersey Clemens. Good for you. Uh, but, but yeah, Snyder Cut, uh, accidentally post early for some HBO Max users. Some people were trying to watch, uh, Tom and Jerry and they got the first hour of Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's hilarious. It's a hilarious story. Yeah. I can't How even imagine. Is it, how frustrating is it when that hour ends though? It, 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 does this confirm that it is being shown in parts if they got the first hour? The thing is, uh, what happened? What happened? Looking on. About an hour into the feed, about an hour into the feed, uh, a guy that was watching it noticed the definition of the image began to degrade, and then an error message appeared on his screen, and the film disappeared. It's like that's that when they sucks. caught it. Yeah, yeah, it's that's crazy. Connected to Tom and Jerry of all things, I'm surprised anyone that actually gave a shit about the Snyder Cut was the same person that clicked on Tom and Jerry. Like, it doesn't feel like the the Venn diagram crosses over much there. I, you know what I'm saying? I guess. I mean, I, I feel like you're going to you're gonna have that. I think you're going to have a little bit of crossover with that. Yeah, a little bit. I guess the circles will intersect a little bit, but not too much, I wouldn't think. I didn't give a fuck. I haven't watched that shit. We, I, I was like, dude, we are not reviewing Tom and Jerry on PCL. Oh, I figured we did. I missed the week that came out. Yeah, fuck that, man. I ain't watching that shit. No, I haven't watched it. I was glad I was off that week. I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm off the Tom and Jerry week. Fuck, man. I'm not going to have people watching that shit. Fuck that shit. I fucking, <laughs> I was, I was fucking rubbing cocoa butter on my balls that week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better use of your time. Fuck it. You bet your ass, man. Uh, oh yeah, uh, here's uh, reception. Some feedback from uh, this is from viewer Anon on Reddit. Viewer Anon, uh, we've talked about viewer Anon before, but this is a guy on Reddit. He heard some Snyder cut reactions. There are people. This is give me a break. There are people who hate it and people who are shocked that they like it. That's er, amazing. Oh wow. yeah! Wow, what a, what a fucking hot take. No shit. Early word seems to be a critical reaction that's closer to Man of Steel than Batman versus Superman, but it's still a small sample size. No shit. And they're saying that the, the R rating is closer to a PG-13 rating. So, whatever. Yeah, I, I, that I also suspected. We might hear Batman say fuck, right? Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. Star Wars news. What do we got? Solo Lenser talks that uh talks about the director switch. Did you see this? Mm-mm. Appearing appearing on the team this comes from Dark Horizons, appearing on the Team Deacons podcast. Team Deacons. You guys listen to Team Deacons? Never heard of it. Greg, you a big fan of Team Deacons? <laughs> Never heard of Team Deacons, and there's an odd name for a podcast that like has anything to do with Star Wars. Yeah. Anyway, appearing on Team Deacons, apparently, I bet they're fucking, I bet they're fucking killing when it comes to downloads. Team Deacons, Jake. Is that like a priest, or is it like priest talking about Star it's Wars? It's spelled D E A K I N S, so it's not like. Oh no wonder, thank you, because I couldn't get it. Yeah, it's not like a like a church deacon. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
appearing on Team Priest's podcast. <laughs> the Cardinal Bishop podcast. <laughs> <laughs> appearing on the Pope Hour of Power <laughs> the Pope podcast. Hour. Pope Power Hour. Oscar named Oscar nominated cinematographer Bradford Young recently opened up uh, opened up about his experience shooting solo Star Wars story back in 2017. Both versions of it. Young, who also worked on such films as Arrival, Selma, A Most Violent Year, and the miniseries When They See Us. When they see that was a great fucking series. If you guys haven't seen that. Watch that shit. It was on uh, Netflix. So fucking good. Based on a true story. Anyway, came on board the film when Phil Lord and Chris Miller were directing and remained on when they departed and Ron Howard took over the film. Young explained he almost turned down the film offer initially as the movie wasn't in line with his previous work and wasn't sure he would fit. Quote, before I even spoke to the directors, I was like, no way. And then I spoke to the directors, Lord and Miller, and they explained to me, this is what we're trying to do. And at the time, they were really referencing uh, Robert Altman's McCabe and Mrs. Miller. And then I was like, oh, okay, that's one of my favorites. I felt like that was in conversation with some of the stuff I'd been doing. Then, of course, came the very public director switch near the end of production as the pair were fired three weeks out from the end of shooting. And ultimately, Ron Howard took over. It was hard. And that was playing up with my fears. They just hatchet people and the next person comes in. But I was always, but I always understood that Kathleen Kennedy and the late Lucasfilm producer, Allison Shearmer, they don't play around. They're about the art. It was great to understand there were folks in the process that were about the art and wanted to make sure this film has this feeling. We don't want to lose this because this is what people count on from these films. That was really refreshing for me. When they changed directors, I thought for a second, maybe I should go. But then I was like, nah, I need to stay because we had done so much work to develop this look, my team and I. The film needed it. Young has nothing but praise for Ron Howard as well, who says was easy to work with and just as disconcerted about the difficult situation as Young was. When Ron came in, the thing that is so lovely about Ron is that it wasn't like he was, I got it figured out. He was very open too. He was also like, man, I'm also like, what's going on? So we were both equally like taken aback. And we were like, whoa. And then we were like, dude. And then he was like, yeah. And I was like, what? (laughs) And then we were both like, let's get some vitamin D on our dicks, dude. Ouch, that bird. And then I, and then Ron Howard, he's, <laughs> Ron Howard's pale as fuck and he burned his dick, dude. And I was like, whoa, dude, your dick's red as shit. And he's like, yeah, man. And then we both went to a dermatologist and they were like, dude, you got skin cancer. And we were like, what? <laughs> you know, fuck this story. This guy didn't fucking reveal anything. No, he sounds like a company chill. Yeah. What a bitch. <laughs> I did want you to know that I went on that podcast. The Deacons uh, podcast? Or, Power Hour? Yeah. 
I gave them no the Deacons podcast, and I gave them a five star review in which I just talk about how much I like your podcast. So I'm, nice. I'm sending it to Jake. I'm sending it to you now so that you can see it. That's awesome. You You're welcome. Yeah, man, that was dumb. That was a dumb story. And I was like, man, I'm like, what? And then he's like, what? And then we were both like, dude. And then we both had sex with each other. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, whoa, dude. I love that you gave him five stars, Greg. Well, I I didn't want to be a dick, you know? No, no, no. Oh, man. That's it, guys. I ain't got hell. Dude, that was dumb. (laughs) No, <laughs> no I, I quite enjoyed that rendition of the story. <laughs> I, when, I, when I saw this story, I was like, holy shit, we're going to get some answers here to this whole, you know, Phil Lord, Chris Miller thing. You have some juice here. What's this guy going to say? He was there for the switcheroo. He was there for the old switcheroo. He was just like, nah, yeah. I'll just... Give this guy a rim job instead. I was like, man, you know, they don't need me. And then I was like, no, they need me. And then I stuck around. <laughs> and then I met Ron Howard. And he was like, you know, I, I don't I don't know what we're doing. But you know what? I'm going to do my best. And then we were like, let's do this. And then we did it. And then I was like, man, I had fun. And then he was like, yeah, dude, let's fucking tan our penises. <laughs> <laughs> and we got our we got our me, dick. Me and Opie went and got our dicks. We got our dicks fucking tan. We got some tan ass dicks. <laughs> and then we rubbed cocoa butter on our you know, each other's throats. I don't think tanning your vagina though is like tanning your dick. It's more like tanning like tanning your urethra. You know, that's I don't have a vagina, but that's got to be really painful. Yeah, I imagined like her letting sunshine in, almost like the way like a rainbow comes out of a pot of gold type of thing. You know, where it's how like- is she sitting though? <laughs> like, does she have? Is she sitting like on her shoulders with her legs hunched over, like just with her? Like in the Green Goblin position, like the sexual position or something. I think you'd have to be. Hmm. <laughs> She's weird. I anytime I ever see interviews with her, she always talks about weird lifestyle shit. She she always talks about how she's never owned a TV. What? That's another one of her big weird things. Ah, Shailene Woodley, what are you doing? <laughs> Reading books, apparently. Reading books and tanning your vagine. What are you doing, Shelly Wallet? <laughs> oh, man. A tan vagina. Vagina tan. Tan that vagina. Get that, get the sun on your vagina. Get that. <laughs> Get that vitamin D on your on your vagina. That's healthy. That's a healthy lifestyle. How do like I don't understand. I don't I don't get it, man. So if you if you're not tanning your vagina, you've been doing it all wrong for all these years, Jake. Yeah, you must have been. I I mean this is from Shailene Woodley. I don't know. Whatever she says, do the opposite. And then if you don't tan your butthole, is it a weird like they look different? Is that a problem? Yeah, that's a good that, that's a good call too. Because people are definitely going to check. Absolutely. Why would you want to tan your? I would 
do the bleaching, right? Well, people bleach their buttholes. So, I know. Yeah. 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 I, dude, I, I would, I'm, I'm a big fan of a cute pink bleach butthole. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Who isn't? Yeah. It, like, I can't say that I've seen a bleached one before. I don't, I don't know what that's like. What the fuck? You're the fucking porn king. What the fuck you, are you talking no, about? I, meant, I thought you like meant in real times. life. I thought oh, you meant uh, in real life. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, just like in real, like your real life encounters of a pink bleach butthole. <laughs> I don't know. I know what fantasy camp we're sending Greg to next year. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Ex- I don't expect to hear about you encountering pink bleached buttholes, Greg. But you do. You are aware that they exist. I did know that that was a thing. Yes. All right, all right. Not not your encounters with said pink bleached buttholes. None that I'm aware of. None that you're aware of. Oh my god! Like, how would you not be aware of an encounter with? Is it is it kind of like an alien abduction, Jake? Where it's like you're, yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. you're they like wipe your the men in black come and yeah. Well, what I'm saying shit. is like I don't know. Like, how do you know that bleaching was involved or not involved? You know what I mean? Like, there are different gradients of color change when you get to that area, and thinking about my experiences i would say none of them are unnatural but i don't know i don't maybe somebody did i mean you're dude you were looking way too much into this <laughs> <laughs> i'm not even that serious dude well, you asked me i was just trying to give you an honest answer i know but you brought it up that you hadn't I don't. I don't. Jake, what's going? I'm drunk, guys. It's wine. I I know. I definitely. Yeah, know. yeah. Let's wrap this. Let's wrap it up. It's wine o'clock. I. And here's the thing. Everybody, when everybody hears like I'm drinking wine, they're like, "Oh, fancy Brian, fancy like guys." I'm drinking this. It's just like I bought a fourteen dollar jug of the cheapest shit you could fucking find. <laughs> This do you is not- hold the glass by the stem when you drink it on, on the show, or do what do you drink? No, out straight of? from the jug. No, I don't drink it straight from the jug. I'm not a. <laughs> what kind of animal do you think I am? I just pour it in a little glass. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's nice. I don't know. I don't even have like what are those little wine glasses? You know what I mean? What are those called? Those little wine glasses? Like stem glass? Oh, the little the short ones? Yeah, like a cordial cordial glass. Is that what you're thinking of? I want a little glass that looks like a little pink butthole that I can drink wine out of. <laughs> uh, you gotta drink white wine out of those. Fucking tongue punch that little fucking wine butthole. Uh, mm. It's hot. All right, let's. Yeah, uh, we definitely need it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could have ended before that sound effect. I, I I literally fucking like tongued my wine there. Oh, I can tell. <laughs> It's <laughs> so dumb. I hate Jake. Why do we do this? Why, do, why are we still doing this? Hey, eight years later, why are we doing this still? What's wrong with us? Oh I blame the Snyder cut. Isn't there something else we can do on Saturday nights? <laughs> 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 you want to get together and play Scrabble? 
Yeah, dude. I'm a fucking whiz at that shit. <laughs> Let's get together and play Scrabble on Saturday nights. Oh my god, what is Scrabble going on? Scrabble Saturdays, here we come. Greg, how, dude, Greg. Yeah, I'd love to play Scrabble with you guys. Can we do that? <laughs> Let's do it, man. Let's fucking do it. Let's play some Scrabble. Hey, Greg, thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me. It's always a blast. I know. I was leaning into the drunk, Jake. I was leaning into it. Now I'm pulling back a little bit, trying to be a little bit more professional. Gotta be classy at the end. Gotta be classy at the end. I was leaning into the drunkenness. Now taking it back serious. I'm trying to channel my Deacon's podcast right now. Trying to be a little bit more professional the way they are on the old Deacon's podcast, Jake. You listen to the old Deacon's? Mm, I wouldn't know. I've never... I've never heard. I'm, dude, I'm guessing that the Deacons podcast is not talking about tongue punching wine <laughs> butthole glasses. Jake, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But if I, your if I had to guess, I don't think on the last Deacons podcast, they're talking about wine glasses that, that resemble pink buttholes that they're tongue punching with their tongues as they're drinking white sangria. <laughs> Just throwing it out there, Jake. You, you, I don't know. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Deakins looks very, very old. Mm. Cinematographer Roger Deakins looking old, Greg. And he he has no idea that you're having this conversation right now. Oh my! What do you, what do you think his butthole looks like? Oh, like a California raisin. Dude, I bet you if he shot it though, it would look amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? If he had, if you, if he could look at Roger Deakins' butthole behind the lens of a Roger Deakins shot of his own butthole. Oh my god. Let's end this fucking thing. This is dumb. Um, Greg, thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Um, thanks for lying. Um, how can people find you, Greg? I, I always have fun here. I hope so. I hope so. This is the this Jake. This is probably. What do you think, Jake? Bottom, bottom thirty. No, no. this episode, not at all. Really? Top quartile. Top Any quartile. With Greg is not bottom thirty. In okay. Now. All right. So this you cut is, me deep. You cut me deep, Brian. No, no, no. And it's not the bottom because of you. It's not the bottom because no. of you. Oh, it is. It is. I own it. And it's not the bottom because we've been talking about bottoms. <laughs> I changed my mind about just because Greg on yeah when he had the really bad audio issues that was probably bottom thirty that was bad that was bad yeah Greg how can people find you sir I have a YouTube channel called Amazing Home Projects with Handy Greg and I upload videos uh, when I can make them usually a few a year a few a year <laughs> that's what I can do a few a year. Don't expect any new content, people. Just expect I a just, few of you. I just did one a, few, a couple weeks ago. I was I had to caulk your shower. Oh, did you? I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, well, well, you know, if you subscribe to my channel, you'd already know. You've gotten an alert on your phone. I am subscribed you to your channel. I'm subscribed. I never get alerts. I never get you. fucking alerts, man. Yeah. Have you seen it, Jake, my new one? No, I didn't know it existed either. All right. And, and hold on, in your video and of how to caulk your shower, is there anything about you using fucking dial soap in there? No, there's oh. no reference to dial soap. Because caulk kind of sounds like cock. 
Well, that might. No. <laughs> I don't. That's not like the whole video, but there's definitely some double entendres, you know. Oh shit! Yeah. Wow, that's quite the twist, sir. I'll be checking that out. Exactly. Yeah, uh, guys, just like that. Check out Handy Greg. Just like all good leftovers say on the doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with the Snyder Cut and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Jake, I think we lost half of our audience this week. Yeah, very possible. Very possible. 50% are done. They are like, very what possible. the fuck is going on in this episode? I'm done. I'm out. That's it. I've had my fill. I've had my fill, sir. They're talking about bleached butthole, Shailene Woodley. Talk- First off, they're saying, why the fuck are they talking about Shailene Woodley for 10 fucking minutes? No shit. I don't even know. They're saying, I don't even know who the fuck Shailene Woodley is. Why the fuck have we spent 10 minutes on this girl? <laughs> and her tanning regime of her vagina. Uh, that's why That's why we spent the 10 minutes. That's why. All right. We'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It's a trap. Good it toss it, good it Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushover. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. I've already been done before, so we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the four kids it, it, It's a trap! Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean it, race it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover Counterculture pushover Top culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftover. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers.